to the Animation Happy Hour. A podcast about breaking into the animation industry over a couple of drinks. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are solely our own and are not representative of the companies for whom we work. My name is Ben. I'm Katie. And I'm Garrett. And we're all currently animators at Disney. So today we are sipping on some parentinis. That's right. Parentini. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'll be honest with you. We, this was one of the most fruitful episodes we've ever had in terms of drink names. Yeah, we were tons of options. What were some of the other ones we had? (laughs) Well, my favorite was Mom and Daiquiri. But oh, then yeah. <laughs> we kind of realized that was heteronormative, so That's we were right. like, ooh. Yeah, we're not about that on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're pro, but not exclusively pro that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we also thought of, like, Mommy Mule and Mommy Mule. Mom Collins, Mom but then Collins. we realized, we're, or oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was about to say, work-life balance is not just right. an issue for mothers. That's true. It's also an issue for fathers. That's right. Well said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And and Garrett, what are you sipping on? Unpaid over teeny over (laughs) there. Also very important to talk about. That's right. Too many many. tonight and over the course of your career. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we. But you know, ultimately we landed on Parentini. So if you're listening to this and it's 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, go ahead and make yourself a Parentini and uh, sip it as you're drinking this or as you're (laughs) listening to this. Good lord. But yes, today we are talking all about work-life balance. If you couldn't have guessed yeah, from that which amazing I uh, totally segment, that rambling <laughs> intro, <laughs> I yeah. completely gave away early on. That but, was yeah. great. It was um, foreshadowing. But this is a super timely episode because you know all of us have been working from home for like many many months, and uh, that makes it really tough to balance our work and our personal lives because we're just always at home. So. We thought it would be really cool to do an episode about that. And honestly, if you're uh, someone who uh, is serious about having a long-term career in this industry, prioritizing your work-life balance is like really crucial so you can avoid burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, speaking of burnout, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about toxic work cultures, uh, the importance of taking breaks, vacations, parenting, spoilers, (laughs) uh, and a lot of other stuff. So stay tuned. Yeah, I think this is one of the questions that we get most often from our listeners, which is how do you maintain work-life balance in the animation industry? Is that even possible? Can I even think about having a family someday and having children? Um, And we are super passionate about this question, but we fully recognize that we aren't even fully qualified (laughs) to answer this question because none of us have children. We want to tell you how to parent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's right. uh, Yeah. How do you juggle children and and babies? Um, But we we don't know. So (laughs) we decided to invite two of our very good friends and fellow co-workers at Disney, um, parent animators and an amazing man. Married couple, um, a big animation happy hour. Welcome to our special guests, David Stoldoni and Rebecca Perez. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks Thanks for having us. Super pumped to have you guys on. Um, And we'll kick it off just by uh, asking you guys to give some quick intros on yourselves and your background, how you met, why not? Let's go back Ooh. there. Oh um, and kind of just... <laughs> the age group for Ooh. this audience. <laughs> <laughs> mature. All the way mature. Yes. Only mature. <laughs> you must be over 18. 
We're going to put an explicit rating on this. Wowza, I don't know what's coming next, but I I know I'm re-listening to this when it comes out now. Yeah, but then also the uh, drier stuff, like you're kind of a brief resume. (laughs) Oh, that's what I was talking about. What were you talking about? (laughs) Boring. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we can kick it off with uh, David. Cool. Um, thanks again for having us. Um, yeah, I, I've been animating in this industry for almost 20 years, I guess now. And, um, I started in Toronto where I'm from, uh, the Toronto area and sort of started in, you know, smaller projects like direct to video, um, movies and TV shows and stuff like that. And so I was, I was working there and then, uh, there was a feature that came in to the Toronto area and I jumped on to that and it was my first feature, which gave me the experience to, uh, apply at the larger studios in California. So, um, I came down and worked for Sony Imageworks for, uh, five years and worked on a bunch of animated movies there, like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Open Season, Surf's Up, stuff like that. And then, (laughs) and then went to, and then, I went to DreamWorks where I worked on um, How to Train Your Dragon, uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, uh, Turbo. I'm, I worked on so many there because <laughs> they always have so many movies going on. Uh, Puss in Boots, uh, Home, the Penguins movie, which I love. Um, yeah. And then I made the switch over to Disney, which has been a lo- lifelong dream of mine. And Worked on Zootopia, Moana, uh, Frozen 2, and now I am on Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so I'm Rebecca. Thank you for having us. Um, And this is a super important topic, so I'm really glad that that we get to sit down and talk about it. Um, A little bit about my history. I actually started, we have the same amount of time in the industry. I've been doing animation for about 20 years. Started in games um, at LucasArts right after college. Um, They're no longer around, sadly. Um, (laughs) uh, After working there for about seven years, I really, really wanted to get into feature animation. So I went to Animation Mentor and, like, beefed up my work Mm -hmm. uh, enough to get an assistant animator position at Disney. You were actually in the first class of Animation Mentor. Very first class. Oh, wow. Wow. Before they, anybody even knew what it was. So I just knew it was called Animation Mentor and I needed an animation mentor. So (laughs) (laughs) it was the perfect. Perfect. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so I beefed up my reel and Jason Ryan was one of my teachers who was a supervising animator at Disney. And that's Mm -hmm. where I started. So they hired me as, as an assistant animator and I worked on a couple of films and then uh, left Disney after Bolt and then worked at a couple different studios, oh, wow. including Sony, where David and I met. That's where we actually hey. met. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the story's longer, but I'll condense it. Um, <laughs> after that, I only worked on Cloudy with a chance of meatballs there. Um, and then cool. ended up at DreamWorks for about five years and also worked on How to Train Your Dragon. What is it? Turbo. Wow. Um, was the Kung Fu Panda 2. Kung Fu Panda 2. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. A really fun movie. Mega Mind. Mega Mind. Um, and then most recently worked at Pixar for a little bit of time, um, which we'll go into too, because that's a really good story about how 
couples can kind of balance each other out and help each other in your careers to kind of achieve things. Yeah. Um, got to work on, uh, Onward as well as Soul, which will come out in December. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm at Disney working on, uh, Raya. Yeah. That's awesome. Holy cow. Rebecca, you you said you worked at Lucas, uh, games or was it? Yeah. Lucas Arts. Lucas Arts, what was some of the games that you worked on? Because I feel like I played a lot of those games. Uh, <laughs> oh God, Star Wars Battlefront, Ro- oh Rogue gosh. Squadron. Oh man, um, I definitely played I, Battlefront. I played Rogue Squadron. I was all about Rogue Squadron. When I found out she worked on that, I was, I was like, Can you sign an autograph. That <laughs> really worked him. in your favor. Yeah. yeah. Instead, she signed a marriage certificate. I was going to say, That's then right. you propose. Exactly. Right. Will you marry me? You worked on Rogue Squadron. <laughs> Real quick, I just want to say, between the five of us here, do we have, like, every major U.S. studio covered then? If it's, like, if, oh, you know, wow. if, if we're counting, oh, like, the wow. big five, we have some experience at Blue Sky, Sony, DreamWorks, Disney, and Pixar. Right? Yeah. Like All of them. Like Wowza and Leica. Like yeah, yeah. Wowza. I mean, listeners, you can see, you guys are really lucky to have these two on. They have a wealth yeah. of experience. Quite a of experience. And yeah. yeah, there could not be two more qualified people to talk about this topic. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think it proves the point that we talk about a lot that it's such a small industry. Here you go. With five people, mm-hmm. you have like every major studio, <laughs> a big app company, and like, you know, mm-hmm. everything covered. So it really is a small you know, uh, what the heck's the word? Industry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But again, thank you so much to David and Rebecca for joining us. We had, you know, I don't, we haven't had guests with, you know, the breadth of experience and knowledge that you guys have up mm-hmm. until now. So this is pretty awesome. So with this episode, we're going to structure things a little differently than some of our past episodes. Uh, for this, we really wanted it to be very free form, conversational and discussion based. So, uh, we hope that there's a lot of value in having uh, a very open and honest discussion. You know, we didn't want to have just like a 10 point, these things are what you need to know about work life balance. It really is such a, uh, something that's so unique to each individual person, what your goals are in life, both personal and professional. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep it pretty loosey goosey, but still have some great info for you. Yeah. So to kick it off, I think we are just going to ask the very simple question, what is work-life balance? Why is it important? Um, And I mean, I think the term work-life balance is fairly (laughs) self-explanatory, but for me, I would say work-life balance is sort of this never-ending struggle. Struggle, yeah. For (laughs) Basically, how do <laughs> to you... use the most pessimistic <laughs> as possible? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I was trying to avoid being negative, but it's really this never-ending goal, challenge. really challenge. There you go. Um, where you're trying to juggle <laughs> the the demands of your job and your career versus um, prioritizing your family and your health and personal goals, and um, and it's it's always sort of an evolving struggle as demands and and responsibilities shift over time depending on if you get a promotion at work or if you have children or anything. Um, it's definitely, it's not really a topic or subject where you have figured it out once and then you've, you're set for life. It, I think it's something where I'm constantly reassessing, um, 
yeah, I'm always constantly kind of looking at, is my life properly balanced? Are these the priorities that I want? And, um, and shifting it over time that, yeah, what does it mean for you guys? Yeah. Um, I, I think I agree that it's, it's just kind of this ever changing thing. And, and we have a tendency to think of work and life as so separate in a lot of ways they should be. But I, I think, you know, the reason we want to talk about this is because if you're able to achieve a better work-life balance, I think a lot of times a lot of artists would agree that it actually makes you a better artist too. If you're, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. making sure to be disciplined about that and, and, you know, not just burning yourself out. And I'm specifically so, you know, excited to talk about it today because I think, especially when you're a student, it's so like, put on a pedestal this image of like the artist who never sleeps in their bed they just take a nap at their (laughs) desk and you know are pulling all-nighters and totally and it's so it's so such a shame because that is so the opposite of how you should be living your life especially Mm -hmm. when it's just not sustainable especially when you're you know you've been in the industry for you know, we're talking to two people who have had fantastic careers for 20 plus years and they would not you can't not sleep for 20 years, you know, <laughs> like you need to figure out how to have a healthy lifestyle while enjoying a fruitful career. So yeah, it's kind of considering all of that stuff is what I think of. Mm-hmm. I, I think also what's um interesting about what you and Katie just said is I'm kind of hearing it from your point of view. And I still can totally recall that for me, like coming out of school and getting into the industry and all that kind of stuff. But um the hard part is when you're younger in the industry and in school, actually, um, work and schoolwork and even like, you, you know, your first job, it, it is your life because that's what you're into at that time. Or, or, or for me, like my mm-hmm. hobby growing up was animation and art. That's what I did. Like everyone else, I'm from Canada. Everyone played hockey. I never did because I was inside drawing. So, uh, yeah. so I felt like my my career when I got into it and school and my schoolwork was my hobby, and I finally got to do it twenty four hours a day, and I loved it. Um, but then again, sort of going into the topic about work life balance, um, career was really important and fun for me. I enjoyed it for like I still enjoy it, but as soon as we had kids. Um, things changed a bit where still my mindset was the same, same thing. I was like, this is all, all it's ever been. Like I've loved work. This is my happy place. And then I had to figure out how to kind of change, change my time and figure out how to also enjoy work as I always have, but also still find a way to, you know, find out how to be a dad. Cause no matter how prepared you are for that, you have no idea how to be a dad until you are a dad and you're yeah. figuring that out and stuff like that. So I don't know if it was the same for yeah, you. Yeah, I think something that came up with everybody is just, I feel like it's it's a journey. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. not just a destination. It's not like this is how you do it and this is how it'll work mm-hmm. because it works to different degrees based on where you are in life. Like what you were just saying, David, like when you come out of school and you're getting into the industry – like it was fun for me to work late hours animating and all my friends at work were the people I would hang out with. So when we were done at whatever time, eight or nine at night, we would all go out to dinner or go out to have drinks because that's where we all were in life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you got that social aspect. So I felt like it was, un- it was balanced. I never felt out of balance working those 
insane hours looking back now. <laughs> um, because I was with friends. I genuinely enjoyed that process. However, obviously when you start aging or, or growing at different points of your life, different things become more important, right? And so when you're out of school, what's most important is like yourself and your work and, and your passion about those things. But then you meet somebody, right? And then all of a sudden, well, you want to devote some time to that person that you're with and them to you. And then that evolves from, you know, casually dating to then something more formal. And then that evolves into, oh, well, are we starting a family? And then so on and forth, <laughs> so forth. So I think at each one of those times, it kind of ebbs and flows, like how you would deal with that work and life balance of how much you want to devote your time sitting behind a desk and how much of that is unhealthy. And then you need to step away to, to kind of give the other portions of your life a little bit more water, you know, mm -hmm. that's at least been my experience. That's, that's awesome. I feel like something that you all touched upon was the fact that maybe this is overlooked, but we all go into animation because we enjoy doing it. Like, it's something we like, and I think that's why this topic is super important because I think people who enjoy, enjoy what they do for a living are really prone to overworking themselves because they love what they yeah. do. Like, there's been, I, you guys have probably have days like this where you work and then suddenly it's like 7 p.m. and you're like, wait, what just happened? Like, the time just like flew by. Yep. And that's awesome because that means you're super engaged, you love it. Um, but there's also a consequence to those days uh, where, at least for me, I get what I call computer brain, where I like can't have a conversation <laughs> with Isabel when she's like, what do you want to eat for dinner? And I'm like, I'm still in my shot right now. I can't yeah. talk to you. you like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like my back hurts because there's a con you can't sit in your chair for nine hours without, you know, any sort of break. Um, so I think even though we all love what we do, it's super important to step back once in a while because there are consequences like and just also because what we just because we like what we do doesn't mean it's easy you know it's still work and it's still yeah you know yeah it's it's a really awesome topic i feel for those reasons yeah yeah one thing that's interesting too even talking to you guys i know you you, you have us on to kind of um learn and expose yourselves to um like what our age is going through or what um, people with families are going through. But we've been doing the parenting thing now for uh, seven years, I guess, which still isn't, we're still new to it. I think every day it feels new, but um, it's, it's, it's always interesting talking to people who are in a different part of their life too. Cause even though we went through that, things have changed in the world and in the work world and all that kind of stuff too. So when we were working at Snapchat, actually, one thing that we saw, like our crew, there was half of our crew was really, really young, like pretty much right out of school. And we heard a lot of conversations about what they're going through with work-life balance and trying to make, you know, ends meet when it came to, you know, paying off school debts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the world and school debts have even changed since we got into this industry as well. Yeah. And so it's, so as right. you guys are hearing what we're going through, we're also hearing what you're going through because things are constantly changing. So even though we're talking about parenting now, parenting back then, who knows if that was even totally different than what we're going through now kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. That's, totally. Yeah. Good point. The ever changing landscape <laughs> of this industry. It's hard to follow. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. I honestly, I don't think it's specific to this uh, industry. I, I think very there's many industries, that, I suppose, entertainment. But I think this goes for being an attorney or being a doctor or being, 
any industry that requires, you know, an extra effort and like perfection on the, on the part of a person, mm-hmm. I think you can, you can get lost in that. So there's an totally. aspect to that, right? That I think this goes for any industry. I feel. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Yeah. That's a, well said. This is definitely not just applicable to if you want to be a feature film animator. It really is, yeah, a variety of things. <laughs> you're going to come up against this. So, yeah. Again, I've said it a million times. If you're a lawyer, you should be listening to the Animation Happy Hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So relevant. Yeah. yeah. So relevant. Well, the drinking is. <laughs> I wanted to pick your guys' brains about. Um, work culture in the United States in general. And maybe this is me going mm-hmm. on a little bit of a soapbox, but I think it also informs like the animation industry as well. Um, but like, I feel like it's no surprise that America and the U.S. is kind of known as a pretty workaholic culture. Yeah. And one um, evidence of that is like vacation leave in the U.S. is not guaranteed. A studio does not need to uh, give you any vacation time, which was a surprise to me. I thought two weeks was like, the minimum uh, amount of time, but there is no minimum. And if you compare that to like the European Union, they give four weeks minimum. Oh gosh. I know. I was like, <laughs> dang. And I think that fact speaks for itself in terms of how the U S prioritizes vacation. And um, I think it's not just a policy thing. I think it's also cultural. I think like we take pride in working a lot of hours, pulling all nighters. It's, you know, what we do is who we are and, and um, we make fun of Europeans for taking lots of vacations. I and don't at all. That sounds <laughs> glorious. David yeah. makes fun of every European. <laughs> Send him emails. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. I wanted to open this up because, you know, I haven't worked outside the U.S. and I'm sure there are areas where like the work-life balance is a lot worse but I also know that there's probably areas for improvement. So I'm curious if any of you guys have, I know you guys mentioned you worked in, uh, like David and Rebecca worked in Canada, uh, what that's like, or or just anecdotally, if any of you have uh, worked outside the U.S. and or what your thoughts on this are. I, I personally have never worked outside the U.S. David worked in Canada because he's oh, Canadian. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because that's where I grew up. So my first job in animation was... My bad, my bad. Yeah, it was near where I grew up. Um, and, and because that wasn't a big studio, it was like a mom and pop shop at the time. Um, I think it was very similar to smaller studios here. They're just trying to get their, they're trying to get the job. It's kind of like, it's, it's a, it's a, what's it called? Um, gun for hire. Gun for hire type thing. Well, no, they tried to always have their crew that they called their family and stuff like that, but they were very small mm-hmm. studios. Mm-hmm. So what they did, um, they, they, they would try and bid, bid, bid on, oh, on other projects. Mm-hmm. So pretty much mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Every studio in Toronto is trying to bid for the same projects and they're trying to undercut the other studios. And therefore people who work for them are getting paid less and less. So it's very much the same thing as being a, um, what's the word? A something freelance? house, a freelance ha- or a in-house commercial house, commercial I guess, house. you know, trying to yeah. just bid for, Bid, bid for those jobs and so they get you know oh, yeah. people as you know as cheap as they can and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff but they at the same time because so many people at those studios quite often are very young you get that that hunger and they kind of feed on that and try and really yeah. try and make gotcha. it a family environment and everyone loves it there but it's it's um i'd say 
that industry that industry um is very much the same as the US industry of mm-hmm. small studios as well. Um mm-hmm. now that being said, uh Canada over the past few years has done very well for animation. A lot of big studios are actually opening up um others or you know sister studios up there so there's again uh, a lot of talent is from there as well as moving there actually. Um, do, do they get like I'm not sure if you know? Do they get four weeks of vacation a year? Oh, is that a no? Um, mm. I think there are people who have been at some of those studios, like some of the senior level people who have been at those studios for a long time. They get that kind of like here, you know, if you're a, extended, you know, you yeah. uh, if the longer you work, the more vacation you get, mm-hmm. you know, in your yeah. contract and stuff like that. But I think it's pretty much the same thing as here, like two weeks. But there are really amazing benefits that Canada does have that we don't like, like uh, parent leave. Yes. When you do have a kid, like here, mm. I believe women, maternity leave is a maximum of six, of um, three months and parental. So the father would, would be able to take two weeks. Three weeks. I think I got three weeks. Wow. Hold the phone, guys. Oh, three okay. Weeks. Three. Well, by three weeks, the child <laughs> oh, okay. is self-sufficient, right? They can <laughs> so, kind of fend yeah. for themselves. And, and, and in Canada, <laughs> they get a whole year. Wow. And, and it's, pater- but it's, 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 yeah. it's a, a leave, a parent leave. I forget what it's called. But it's up to the parents to decide how to distribute that. So you get a full year after the birth of your wow. kid between the couple between the couple so like you could decide okay i'm going to take 6 months you're going to take 6 months or i'm going to take 3 months you're going to take 9 like you could divide that's it fantastic. however you want yeah and and again yeah. that's something socially that we just don't have here which is again that's fantastic too because i think um one thing about work life balance and families and stuff the way they handle things um here is that they assume that the woman is the one who's going to be staying home with the kid. But in a lot of families, a lot of modern families, the mother is the breadwinner. And so, so, or, you know, whatever the roles are here, it's like, again, because Rebecca is the one that had the kid, I only got three weeks. Um, Whereas what if it was, you know, in some families, it, it, it is opposite roles. And that even if it is opposite roles here, I don't think, um, the, the man could have the six weeks and the mom have, uh, have the three weeks or whatever. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like anecdotally, I feel like here just people love to brag about like pulling all nighters or just like, yeah, man, I like work so hard. I haven't slept for like three days working on this thing. And I'm like, that's not, that doesn't mean you're cool. You're bad <laughs> at managing your time and you don't have good. Yeah, I don't know. That must be like uh, I I feel like that's a cultural thing. Like it really is. Yeah. Like Yeah. I think there's a part of that that mm-hmm. that's the sacrifice you make, yeah. right? As yeah. a culture, like we are sacrificing perhaps time that we could be spending focusing our efforts on balancing our lives more focused on our work to be able I don't know, it's the entrepreneurial like US mentality of Work hard, get far, you know. Totally. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, oh, it's a it's a big question, and and I always wonder too, like working at these big studios, um, if there's any way to like keep the quality of the film by, but still somehow maintaining a proper work life balance or a better work life balance, and 
that is, again, another like sort of evolving goal that changes as the technology changes and as workforce changes and the headcount. And uh, I think every film is an experiment where they're trying to see like, how can we make the best film possible, but also have the best culture and work life. Ooh, I just hit my glass um, <laughs> <laughs> possible. And I think it's gotten better over time, it seems, but it's still definitely this ever, yeah, everlasting question. How can you have both? And uh, I think it, it seems like it's sort of, you tackle it at both ends. Like you, you put time and effort into development, which can help reduce crunch um, down the pipeline when you reduce time spent in story. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a big question. I think, I think also about that, I think it also depends on the studio and the culture of the studio. Cause yeah. you know, we've, I think we've all worked at studios where um, certain cultures are about, you know, just working your hardest and, just whatever you have to do to get the project done and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But then you've also worked at other studios that are a bit more chill and their schedules are a lot nicer. And it's more about having that work-life balance while still getting yeah. uh, the product done. Um, we've actually worked for um, smaller studios where the producers are like, okay, we need this yesterday. They don't put any, <laughs> yeah. they don't put any um, planning into um, how to, what's the best way to get it to the end and yeah. uh, end goal. They set the deadline and then however you get it there is how you get that there. And then so w- working at this studio that I'm talking about, um, once those producers kind of like we were constantly pushing back saying we need work-life balance. We can't, you know, we can't just kill ourselves for you and expect and expect a good product. Mm-hmm. So we were pushing back right. and really trying to find a good compromise. In the end, they actually realized we were very capable of kind of continuing this team on our own. They had another passion that they wanted to go off and do, and they kind of left it in our hands. Mm. We kind of went, uh, what? Where, wait, wait, where are you going? <laughs> but at the same time, it was on us then to then prove that we can make that work. And as soon as those producers left and we were producing it and directing it and trying to get that you know, get that flow working, everyone was much happier. And we we knew, again, that don't set the d- deadline first, actually plan to see how long this product will take and make the deadline that. Now, at the same time, to be, you know, to play both sides, um, sometimes when you're doing work for clients, you're doing the deadline based on what the client's want is. We were very lucky where we got to set the deadline based on, on our team. Um, but... But that again being said, that that again being said, um, you can make it work. But in every studio, there's the puzzle is very different pieces depending on yeah. who's there, what the product yeah. is, who's paying for the product, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that it does transition well, though, to kind of talking about what are sort of the specific work cultures and demands of the animation industry to consider. Cause I think a lot of our listeners sort of hear horror stories about um, like excessive overtime, seven days a week or 70 plus hours um, or unpaid overtime, that kind of thing. And wondering, well, of course that doesn't sound conducive for building a family or, or that kind of thing. So yeah, maybe we can all kind of speak to, what is unique about the animation industry and what are the challenges it presents for work-life balance? 
probably listeners are like wondering, like, is it feasible to have a family and be in this field? I think I think the the short answer is yes, because when you want something in life, you'll find a way to find a balance for it. It may come with its challenges, right? And you may have to find ways of reshuffling and rebalancing your life. You really, the way I look at it is, you know, you can't have everything up here. So mm -hmm. if, if this is what your career is and this is what you're going to focus on, then you're going to miss out on a lot of different things. But if you want to have children or you want to have a relationship, you know, you got to look at yourself, you know, 40 years from now when you're past the point of, having achieved the goals of animation and a feature film, mm -hmm. where do you want to be in life? You know? And so you get, at least for me, like I've always looked at my life as it's bigger than animation, you know, like at the end of my life, will I look back and is, you know, corny and cheesy as that sounds like, are you going to look back at, Oh my God, look at all the animated films I worked on. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. are you going to look at other things? Right. And, I knew I always wanted a family. I knew I always wanted, you know, to have a relationship with someone that life was more than animation. And so I found ways where we could make something work, like both building a relationship with a partner that also sees those values um, as and as is important in their own lives. And then when you have kids, then you've got to let go of other things that you probably would have focused your time and effort on. Like there's only 24 hours in a day and you can only do what those 24 hours allow you to do. And a portion of that is sleep. A portion of that is eating, <laughs> hopefully showering or some kind of <laughs> activity. Maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. No. <laughs> yeah. um, and then if you're adding kids to that, then something else has to be, be kind of compromised, you know, and that's totally. how you achieve things. So maybe that means... I know in our relationship, we've ebbed and flowed, and I think that's why it's worked between us. So there, there have been times where, like, just great example was my year at Pixar. My year at Pixar could never have happened if I didn't have a supportive partner. That was it, that we together discussed how that was going to look. He knew that was always a dream and a goal of mine in my professional career, but we have two kids and we have a life here in L.A., so what is that going to look like? Well, that just looks like maybe this time around, he's going to sacrifice some work time, you know, and focus more on life at home and taking care of kids. And I will focus my efforts more on my career. Right. And in that year of our lives, that's how it was managed. But mm -hmm. in the year before, I took kind of a, a backseat to perhaps his career and he was able to focus on doing some short films and personal projects that he wanted to do while I worked, right, and took care of the family. So between us, each year, each time we have a goal coming up, that's how we've ebbed and flowed in our relationship. Yeah. And I think, again, you have to choose a partner, in my opinion, that complements that and also has the same values of what they want and the same goals. I don't know that's if that's awesome. how you feel, yeah. too. Yeah, honestly, I feel like we've, we, we've always talked about this kind what of stuff. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't think I was well, talking about <laughs> You don't support me 100% all the time whenever I need it? What? Um, no, I, I, think, I think that's actually something that we've, we've always been very open about that stuff. And also um, talking about um, being there for each other and that kind of stuff. Like, it was really hard, I think, 
for me to see someone who who has worked really hard on her career and then she you know when we decided to have kids as a family or as a couple we decide to have kids but um then that then her career was put on hold to for those first couple of years and not everyone does the first couple of years we'll say that like you don't have to necessarily do that we decided we wanted um a parent at home um kind of seeing the kids kind of grow and being there for them in those first few years you know just to to you know um because that's what was important to us but that being said she took 3 years out of her career to take care of the kids while I worked um I always promised I'd somehow try and pay that back. And um, whereas not, you know, again, there's lots of people that don't, you know, they still feel like the role of of a mom is a mom. <laughs> uh, or sorry, the role of a parent is a mom. And I, I didn't really think, I don't think we've ever felt that. No. It's whatever works for you. And so when we saw this opportunity, again, for you to go to Pixar, which was her dream, like she's always wanted to work there. As soon as that, opportunity came up we're like yes we'll find a way to do it um and again i was i was at home working on my own projects which was also an incredible experience like spending my time being able to work on my own stuff but as soon as that opportunity came up we're like i will go back to work i I will i'll go back to work and because we have to be able to afford for you to do that and um and again, I don't regret it. It was a long year. It was a very, it was <laughs> yes. a long year yes. because then, but I also, it was great. I got to experience like, yeah, anyone who says moms stay home and uh, just sit and watch TV all day and how easy or how hard is it to give a kid a bath? Really? Like we were like, I was in that role for a year and it was, it was hard, but I also am so glad I did that. And I got a sense what moms go through as well. So, yeah. That's uh, great. So again, Gosh. we just we try and help each other out in that and I think if someone can find a partner to raise a family with who is conscious of that kind of um being a supporter and a supportee and all that kind of stuff trying to make it work. Um I think that kind of stuff will help with the work-life balance and having to, you know, you know trying to find a way to raise raise kids as well. So pick your partners wisely, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's super super important. Yeah. For yeah. Tip sure. jar. <laughs> that's it. That's our tip. So that's true. right. Oh, that's great. I I love that you guys you know talk through that and bring that up because I think you know just thinking about when I was choosing a career and stuff. Um, I don't know. I feel like so much was is kind of in this abstract zone of like this is what I like. This is what I'm passionate about. I don't know how much money I'll make. I don't know what work-life balance will be i don't don't know anything about that and maybe no 18 year old kid really does know that you know um but there comes a time when you do really have to have to sit down and have these very objective practical conversations where like rebecca said okay there's 24 hours in a day if i'm (laughs) seven days a week if i'm at pixar for five of them and it takes this many hours to travel back and forth like you need to do some math and you need to figure that out and do some kind of you know, non-sexy, non-super artsy, passionate thinking about how to make your artsy, passionate dream come true. <laughs> and, Which you know, she's is, amazing at, by the way. She's yeah. when, it, when I see math, my brain shuts down and I go into a corner and <laughs> suck my thumb. I swear to God. But uh, she, she's that's how she tends to think and plan stuff. 
So I tend to be the one screaming on fire, running around like, we can't, how are we going to make this work? What have we painted ourselves in? Like, what corner have we painted ourselves into? She's like, it's okay. Spreadsheet. I'm like, oh, yeah, that can work. (laughs) I do a lot of graphs and color charts. And that seems to do the trick. (laughs) Because you see it, like, when I would present things, like, on an artistic level, like a visual sense, like, here is the plan. (laughs) Here's the weeks. This is what you'll be responsible for. This is where I come in. And, you know, it kind of, like, laid it out in a simpler visual way to kind of be able to consume it without being like, but, 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 you know, what about meals? And what about giving them baths? And what about, you know, you just start breaking things down into like, what do you need to do every single day? Okay, put that on a schedule. And like, it, it, yeah. Yeah, my it brain becomes, doesn't work like that, yeah. but I'm so glad yours does. <laughs> Again, by picking the right partner and complimenting. So, you know, complimenting each other and what the other one gives you'll find your own way to contribute as well. And yeah. you kind of feed off each other and help help each other in that way. Yeah, that's, that's great. Awesome. That, that's so valuable. Yeah. I know when Garrett met Isabel, he was just talking about she scheduled all my bath times and stuff. And I was like, you guys are working great together. <laughs> she tells me when I shower, tells me when to do everything. That's great. Uh, that's really Put a ring great. On I it. mean, honey it's tuesday is it time for my bath yet (laughs) you're two days late i am curious to ask um like as parents how has things sort of or how have things evolved as your children have gotten older like i would guess that the responsibilities kind of shift like maybe your kids become old enough to give themselves baths and how how has (laughs) like is there a period of time that was especially hard and have things gotten easier um yeah that's that's a really good question by the way that that also like every other answer we're gonna give ebbs and flows (laughs) (laughs) like when they're first born It's so difficult in many ways, but so easy. You're just trying to keep them alive. Yeah, but you're in control of everything, (laughs) right? You control when they eat. You control when you change them. Like, like there's control level on your end. Fast forward, you know, when they're whatever, when they start really having a personality is around three, four, (laughs) five. Then all of a sudden when you're like, hey, it's time for a bath, they will have an opinion back about, <laughs> well, no, it's not, or no, like I'm not. <laughs> Just, Just like, like Garrett. Garrett. <laughs> so, I never want to take my bath. <laughs> We're so still waiting on mom. him to develop that personality. It's going to be the picture yeah. on the Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it could be the picture. Oh, my gosh. It's like um, such valuable information yeah. from Rebecca. Yeah, no, keep going. <laughs> This is gold, man. (laughs) Um, So, so it does change, like as the years go by. Like what you think was difficult at first becomes like, oh, that's like that was the easy part of it, and then later on, other things become more difficult. Um, But then it's kind of cool because they do become their own people. That's almost like how you feel. You're like, wow, you're you're like a person. Like you're like a real person because I mean, when you know they're they first come out, they're nothing. Like they're a little blob. All they're doing is crying. Literally, I think we described it. We the way we compare the way we compare those first couple, the first couple months for sure. Yeah, is like 
it feels like you're trying to keep a pet alive because they don't give you, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. literally you're just yeah. trying to keep them alive for those first, just trying and learning how to be a parent kind of thing. Now uh, you never stop learning how yeah, to be no. a parent. No, no. But like the, <laughs> even the second you get home, you're like, um, okay, they, no they let me come home with, with this thing. It's alive. Like they, <laughs> I'm not qualified to take care of a, a thing alive. This a mistake. This yeah. Is, yeah like <laughs> right. you almost feel like walking out. You're like, um, do I need to fill out a test? <laughs> like, because right. yeah. you just come home and it's just you and the baby <laughs> yeah. and your partner. But that that being said about sort of like growing, like kind of as they grow up, exactly what you said, I think it changes. Um, it changes from where early on they sleep a lot. So when you sleep or when they sleep, you sleep or do get your chores and work done and all that kind of stuff. And then when they need you, you're there. When they get a little older, um, you kind of understand that they're like in the twos and threes, you're still very present because they need you still for a lot. They don't have school and friends and all that kind of stuff necessarily. So you still have to be very there. Now they're in now being like around five and seven and all that kind of stuff. It's they are their own people. So it's great because we work from home. We're still they're with us all the time, but they're also old enough to have hobbies. So um, now we're also parents that don't necessarily let we don't plop them in front of the TV and just let them watch as much TV as they want. But we can actually go to work and say for this amount of time, we have to work and they can't they do their school and all that kind of stuff. And then they um, have their hobbies so they can actually go and draw for like an hour and they love it and stuff like that and then at the end of the hour they, they might knock on the door and come in like see what i drew see what i drew and that kind of stuff so <laughs> challenges change and so the hard part is more like how to kick your kid out of the room when you're on a really important zoom call <laughs> so thank you so your challenges come there you know really they, they they come in all shapes and forms but they change constantly and i think yeah. every parent you'll talk to ever says that as soon as you're used to parenting, it changes yeah. and then you don't know what you're doing uh, again. Yeah. So, but that being said, that's, I feel like that's life. That's literally yeah, that what I'm, no matter where you guys are in your life, I'm sure the exact same thing's happening. It's just, it's just, you can decide how you evolve and change to that. Whereas now you have to figure out how to do that with other people or yeah. other, you know, like your, your kids and stuff like that. So it's really, it's just life. <laughs> Can I just say that you guys have definitely done something right because your children are so well behaved. I remember <laughs> when your child for Frozen Two Crunch. I remember, yeah, your daughters would come in and they would watch like Disney stuff, and they were super just quiet and nice. And I'm like, all the kids I've met in my life are just like not like that. So I don't know what you've done. Well, I will say if if you the reason they were so quiet is because I put them in front of a screen to watch Disney movies, they don't get TV. Right. It, it's a treat for them. Oh. Right. So all of a sudden it's like, you know, kids who eat candy all the time, when you give them candy, they won't necessarily be super excited about the candy and the, you know, but same with the kids. And, and again, I'm not telling anyone how to parent. This is what worked for us. And we don't give <laughs> them, you know, they have kind of have TV as a Saturday, Sunday morning Treat, treat yeah. but they don't get it a yeah. lot. It's always a special event when they get it. Right. So the fact that they came to the studio 
and sat down and they got TV. They were zoned in. That was a treat in. for them. Yeah, that was. <laughs> oh my They're God. like, don't talk to me. I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Dad, why don't you put in a couple more hours? It could use a little more polish. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think the same thing actually, it was so funny when, whenever we go on airplanes, same thing. Like, you know, you always hear the kids screaming and running around. They get a TV in the back of the seat and they can choose whatever they want. Yeah. So so they watch Inception and they watch Rambo and all that kind of stuff. That's right. No, so they'll watch their movies, but like it, it may be an overnight flight. And because it's the one time they're allowed to watch as much TV as they want on like a six hour flight back to Toronto, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll watch it from like the time they take off till 6 a.m. if it's an overnight flight. And they're like this, like they're, you know, bloodshot eyes just watching the TV. As soon as the, the captain, as soon as the captain turns off that sign or turns off the TV, literally the bodies just go. <laughs> and they just collapse. <laughs> but it's again, That's it's a treat. It's, so they're yeah. great on airplanes. Wow. That, but an, yeah. Another just a side note I want to make a point of saying. Like, <laughs> before I was a parent, you know, there's always the times where you like look over to another table where parents are, or their oh, yeah. kids are unruly, or they're on a pat an iPad or a, on on a tablet or something. And I'd always be like, Man, I can't believe it. Now that I'm a parent, I will never judge another parent again. Honestly, as a parent, you got to figure out what works for you and go with that. And there's no way anybody should pass any kind of like judgment on anyone else, you know, making decisions that work for their lives. It's true. Like in, it's in, the truth. When, when you're out, when you're out eating or not that we do that during quarantine right now, but when you're. Yeah. When you're out at a restaurant or you're on a plane, I remember before I had kids, I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to sleep. It's an overnight flight. Go to sleep. Yeah. And now whenever I hear a kid like screaming, I'm like, oh, that poor mother <laughs> or that poor yeah. father. No, either one. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. just like you just feel, feel bad. you just feel so bad. Like, oh, whatever. Like if I don't sleep, it's like, I hope you get what you need right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I yeah. feel like so much about being more experienced, regardless of what it is, is results in you just being less of a judgmental asshole. <laughs> right? Like yeah. I re- I think the most harsh I ever was on animated movies, like other movies I saw, was before I studied animation. You know, and then like you get into it and you're like, Man, this stuff is hard. Like yeah. any sort of accomplishment is a feat and should be celebrated i'm sure it's you know that pales in comparison to what it's like to be a parent then and then you see you know even if a kid's screaming and being crazy it's a healthy kid who's still alive so you're like hey you know i'm gonna give you some props for that like you know (laughs) again that 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 goes back to you know the 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 how much time you have in in 24 hours like when we worked at smaller studios or worked on stuff where your quota is so much higher so when we worked at snapchat we had to do a full body animation sometimes two characters 20 seconds a week right that was our quota and um you you know we'd all we'd all jump into this thing and we're used to you know five seconds a week four seconds a week whatever the quota is and you can get a nice polished piece, but it's never 18 seconds of animation, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. you again, you figure out where to spend that time. So, it might be more of like you try and, you know, if you ha- have to get 18 seconds of animation done, you figure that out. You're like, okay, my blocking is going to be, you know, you try and get a really clean blocking pass because there's not much polish time at all. And so, it's kind of like get your main ideas 
down, spline it, hope it works, and then just kind of tighten stuff up. It's not like you have time to worry about every every like blink or sorry, like every eye shape or whatever. And <laughs> right, right. also the rigs are super simple or whatever. So yeah. again, it's all about this is the amount of time you have in a day you have to prioritize. So that works for parenting. It works for mm-hmm. different studios and different quotas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you guys ever had to navigate like working with your employer to flex your schedules at all? Like if like say you have to pick someone up from soccer practice or a piano lesson or something, have you ever navigated like that sort of situation or coming back part-time after a parental leave or anything like that? Yeah, we I think we both have mm-hmm. to a degree almost every studio once we had kids. Before that, we were a bit oblivious. <laughs> You're kind of like, what do you need, old? Yeah, yeah like before that, I honestly never even gave it any thought. Now I look back mm-hmm. at all my coworkers when I was younger and didn't have kids who did have kids. And I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> That's why they got the <laughs> Right, yeah. I had one coworker that would come in at, I think he would come in at seven and leave at four. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, okay. This was at LucasArts. This was like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um and I think he was like in his 40s. He had a family. And I, I would roll in at like 10. And I wouldn't leave the <laughs> studio until 10. And all my friends, we'd just play video games after 7 o'clock. Uh, I don't even know when I ate while I was there. But but anyways, like looking back now, I'm like, oh, that's literally what my schedule was at Snapchat. Like I worked mm-hmm. it out so that because we were both there, there was a long commute. The girls were in school. We had to figure out a way where we could both kind of like be at the house for a certain amount of time. So we just shifted our hours. So I would work from seven to four and be home in time to make dinner, you know, mm-hmm. like pick them up from school, fix everything up. And the, the vice versa would happen. Like I would be already at work when he was like getting him ready for school and taking gotcha. him in and dropping him mm-hmm. off at school. So he would get mm-hmm. into work at 10 and work until seven. So, like, his hours were shifted in the other direction. Gotcha. Wow. But, again, like, every studio and every every employer is different about the flexibility they're, mm-hmm. they're willing to give. Um, mm-hmm. Some studios who are, I suppose, unioned or have other parameters that they have to live by maybe mm-hmm. have a little bit more accountability. Like, you don't have to be like, please, please. It's more like, hey, this is what <laughs> I'm allowed um, but for the most part, I would say that I would say almost 100 percent of the time that I've been doing it, my employer has been flexible. Yeah. And as long as at the end of the day, awesome. I produce the work that is required at the level that it's required, it's mm-hmm. never been an issue. That's awesome. That's great. It's great yeah. to hear because <laughs> I want to uh, I, don't know, I guess I want to be careful saying this because I wouldn't <laughs> want to like uh, encourage anybody into unemployment per se but like if if you're in a situation where you feel like you are in a very toxic environment Mm. and being pressured to do things you're not comfortable with and and feel like you're super undervalued i i would really encourage you to try to get into a different place um because that's not the whole industry as you know we have these two great guests you know can speak to they've had a variety of companies who were able to work with them so it doesn't have to be torture. I feel like there maybe that's part of the other American culture where it's like, well, it shouldn't be fun. It shouldn't be enjoyable. It's work, you know. Um, like Garrett <laughs> said earlier, we all got into this because we like it, and we, you know, you, you sh- hopefully your job if you're working in animation is, you know, 
enjoyable on top of paying the bills and everything. So uh, don't feel like you have to stay in a very abusive environment if that's where you currently are. And I totally agree with that. I think um, I think as soon as your work isn't becoming enjoyable, now I'm not saying like, oh, this you know, this specific project is unenjoyable. I'm leaving. It's not like that. Like Mm -hmm. if same thing, if you're in a very toxic environment where you feel like you have no way out or whatever, I would suggest you have a conversation with your manager or whoever helps you decide whether, you know, you express your concerns and see what they, how they can compromise and see, um, see what you can get out of a, conversation like that and because some places i I know some people are scared to even have those conversations and when they start talking to other people who do have those conversations like oh we're allowed to ask those questions or we're allowed to flex our hours when they might not have even known so they're like torturing themselves because they're working such long hours and they can't do it or they're they have to pick up their kid but they're like i can't pick up my kid because i'll lose my job kind of thing you know or i'll lose my kid if i don't pick them up kind of thing and what do i do um so really just have those conversations. But I kind of agree with you. If it, if you are so unhappy that first of all, the job's not enjoyable as well as it's toxic and it's hurting, hurting your mental state. And it's like stressing you out beyond what you can handle. You might want to consider looking elsewhere. Um, that doesn't mean quit your job on the spot. This is what I would say. <laughs> this is how I tend to handle those kind of situations. Again, I've been very lucky in my career, but I don't necessarily just quit and like, well, screw this and then I'll find something else. See what you can do. Have that conversation. Maybe start putting out feelers and talking to other people or other studios to see if there's any bites before you just throw yourself into unemployment. Again, everyone's situation is totally different. And so I don't want to speak for everybody, but really see what you can do to fix that stuff. And if you can, great. You might be happy where you are. Um, or you might learn to, you know, find out you can be happy where you are or um, yeah. slowly put up feelers and see if there might be a place that is will be more supportive of your lifestyle. That's very well said. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And it it sounds like uh, like straightforward. Like, of course, I would leave a, a job I don't <laughs> want to do. But when you're in that situation <laughs> yeah. and you there's a toxic work environment and there's peer pressure, I think a lot of people can get like trapped in that. Yeah, um, definitely. I I have a interesting story. If we're talking about toxic work lives, um, <laughs> I have a story. And depending on how brave I am, I will decide to cut this or not. <laughs> but I think I think it's helpful to tell listeners about what they might experience. That's yeah. you know, all of us were were in Union Studios, and like we've said before, Union Studios it's like the bougie bouge. <laughs> like it's great. It's, it's so we get good. overtime. Yeah, it's like. It's the best. Um, but I have—I was not in a union studio all the time, and I'm sure all of us that we were had experiences before that. There was one job I had a while back, and I remember first off, the first, uh, in order to get the job, I had to do a week of work unpaid, which they called a test, but it was basically me doing work for like the actual project. It wasn't like they were going to assess my work. It was like, oh, come into the studio and do a work and we'll assess if you're good enough, which I don't even think that's legal. I don't know if you guys. I don't think it's have any. I'm not. I don't it's know. Gray I'm territory. Not gonna... Yeah, it's gray territory. I don't think there's an actual law that says that's it's illegal. So 
Anyway, I don't know. Well, there you go. Uh, but we don't know. No, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like, I so I was doing that week of a test, and I was desperate, of course. I wanted to find work. And I remember at the end of the day, I was like, okay, it's like 7 p.m. and no one's leaving, but I want to leave um, <laughs> because it's the end of the day. And so I went to ask the boss. I was like, hey, can I uh, go? I finished my work. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. And he was just like, it's up to you, man. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? We're all here. Oh, man. We're all here. Oh, We're a team. Man. What do you want? Oh, and man. I was like, we got to put this video footage on. <laughs> oh, Garrett acting it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. you act Sorry. animated. <laughs> I'm acting. Just I'm embracing all of the bro energy. <laughs> just imagine me being a big bro. Being like, hey, yeah, what I, do you want to do? I can't imagine that. I can't. I'm trying. <laughs> but like, of course, I sat back down immediately. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh I totally want to stay, uh, sir. Um, yeah, I, I apologize. So I sat down because anyone in my situation, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. that you're getting assessed. You don't want to, uh, yeah. So I sat down, I ended up getting the job and the whole, that sort of set the tone for like the whole job mm-hmm. where like, it was this weird game with the employees where no one would want to leave first. And it was like 7 PM, 8 PM, 9 PM. And oh, I'm just like, oh, what man. the hell is going to yeah, and I remember at certain point we I are was cruising like, right through bath time. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Isabel's gonna be mad. I have to take that bath. It's eight p.m. She's gonna be like, "What the hell is Gary talking about down here?" I'm gonna miss Sorry. my twenty-minute window for my bath time. <laughs> so I was like, "I gotta get home from my bath." And at a certain point, I was like, "I gotta leave," and I would, you know, I would try to leave on time because I'm like, I'm not getting paid for this time. It wasn't like we were getting overtime um and i remember i get comments from coworkers like you know you're not being a team player there's always more work for you we can give and like it's one thing to hear that from your boss but to hear that from coworkers too i was like oh my gosh so i suspect that a lot of people especially non-union studios out there probably work in places where unfortunately they are you know they have peer pressure um and they are in these toxic environments. And what I would say, don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to leave on time. Like I never got punished for leaving on time, even though it was really hard and I got a lot of like comments about it. Um, I never got fired for the, the job because I did good work. And you know, I think having respect for yourself is really, really important. And it's really, really hard unless someone tells you who's like a veteran and says like, hey, dude, like leave on time. Like don't set the precedent that you're going to stay hours and hours and hours after work. So we're telling you, I mean, if you guys feel the same way, I think it's, <laughs> it's good to stand up for yourself um, in these times. Yeah, I yeah. think. Please so what studio was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What so, were their uh, names? They sound like dicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even know if this will be it. I don't know if it's valuable. I think it kind of is. Uh, no, very, I think valuable. very valuable. I think very valuable. valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I actually thought those times had changed. Because, um, again, like yeah. my experience, and I won't name names, but I've had the exact experience <laughs> you just said right there. Uh-huh. Exactly. Except it wasn't my first job, right? So the the pressure, and it wasn't my dream job either. So there was nothing precious about it other than a paycheck. Right. So the fact that it wasn't new in the industry and it wasn't my dream job, I think, made me a little disconnected from caring mm-hmm. about getting fired. 
or caring about what people thought or pressured me into it. I was just more like, you guys want to work till nine? Have a great time. But <laughs> but I I would rather, you know, do other things unless you're going to pay me while I'm here. Um, and I know at the time that particular, after leaving, there was a lawsuit that went down afterwards. Ooh, and uh, <laughs> that company lost and had to pay... I don't know what the word is, retribution or yeah. They basically yeah. had to pay, back pay estimated, you know, amounts, which is never wow. really what you right. worked. Um, yeah. And so again, hearing your story kind of makes me feel like a bit sad because I thought there was a lawsuit. This was fixed. It's done. It's not going to yeah. happen again. <laughs> the same thing happened to a studio that I know of that some friends worked at. Um, that they weren't getting put, paid overtime. Again, it was a s- small mom and pop shop. And again, they, they really make you feel like this is the family. You're doing it for the family. Mm-hmm. Your boss is leaving at 3 p.m. and going to <laughs> probably, yeah, probably right. like, you know, go, go swim off the coast of Fiji off his yacht or whatever. But, <laughs> but, right. um, I remember, I, I think, and I, I don't even know where the call came from, but someone's, uh, significant other called the board of labor or the labor board, whatever you want to call it. Um, and oh, reported wow. and reported the studio. Cause it's, um, it's illegal. I, this is in Canada. I don't know what the laws are here. So please look it up. If you're, if, you know, <laughs> please look up your own state laws. Um, but, um, they called the labor board and reported them for not paying overtime. Cause they were working weekends. They were working crazy long hours. And, uh, obviously the, the owner, uh, got pretty upset and had a talk about, I don't know who reported us, but someone reported us. That being said, it doesn't matter because it's illegal to, uh, what's it called? Um, retaliate. And so mm. they complained and they made it, you know, made it clear that they were upset, but they ended up having to pay overtime. So, so that's awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah. Awesome. Power to the people. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Plug for the animation guild. Cause yeah. it's, Great. Oh my god! Yeah, because for, yeah. for so preventing lucky. a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But even the animation yeah. guild came from somewhere, right? Like we're probably we're, because of this. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. because of this. So yeah. we're yeah, we're point. benefiting today over what yeah. had a lot of animators were abused, like even more than what you would see today. And that's how they developed a union to be able to, you know, make sure that it's an equal and balanced playing field to a degree. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm for all for unions and, and making sure that just people are paid for the work they do. You know, we might yeah. love what we do, but there is value to it. You know, they're yeah. making money off the film they put out um, or merchandise or anything else. And so an equal share. Mm-hmm. 150,000%. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to eat one of my olive children. <laughs> For those who cannot see what I'm doing, I'm eating an olive out of my parents. No, no context. Yeah. No, no context. <laughs> yeah. Just leave that. I'll cut it out. I'm going to eat all of my children. <laughs> Dad joke. It, it begins. Yeah, we go. I love yeah. you guys. You're the best friends ever. <laughs> That's how you know we got real parents when the dad jokes start rolling. <laughs> exactly. So we didn't hire actors. For that. You know what? I have to admit, I'm so scared about that because so many people nowadays call out like they're like, dad joke. I'm like, 
That was not a, that was an amazing joke. What are you talking about? And I'm I'm starting to get sensitive. I'm like, wait, what? What, what, no. what is a dad joke? Was these are the same jokes I've been saying for years? Have they all been dad jokes, or or is my sense of humor just not aging well? I'm so I'm so scared. The Garrett bathtub joke was a dad joke. I'm telling you all. That was no, that was dad. No, you 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 need to schedule your bath times. We can tell. <laughs> One thing I just realized, which is pretty unique to everybody on this episode, is that we are all in relationships where our partner works in the industry and in two of our cases work at literally the same company. So I think it'd be pretty interesting to discuss like how how do you guys leave work at work and separate your work life from your home life, especially when you have a partner who literally has the same job. And for us, I think it, it's a, it's a real challenge, especially mm-hmm. during the pandemic when our computers are right next to each other in in a place where we relax at home. And um, yeah, I'd be curious if anybody has any tips um, or tricks that they've learned <laughs> along the way. <laughs> Honestly, I'd like to hear your side of it actually first. I, I would, I'm, I'd be very interested because I know we've talked about it, but I'd mm. love to hear your side first actually because I don't think I've ever really talked about it with anyone else. So I'd love to hear your side. Man. <laughs> or, is that, or did that open up a whole can of like, I got nothing. I just opened up a can of divorce. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I do have a few things to say. About. <laughs> no, it's, I would say for us, it's definitely, it's evolving for sure. Mm-hmm. Because even what we want changes like day to day or week to week, to be honest, where I, I think if there's any one consistency, we just have to be able to openly say, I, I'm i sorry, I cannot talk about animation right now, or I do really want to talk about it right now. And we just have to kind of be okay with that. Even if like the other person mm-hmm. is like feeling particularly passionate ab- about it at that moment, you kind of have to respect that because otherwise, because I know something we do talk about is every now and then like on the weekend or something like the last thing I want to see is an animated movie. (laughs) But then sometimes I'll pop in an animated movie that I love and I'm like, Oh, I love this. Like, I'm so glad (laughs) that I'm part of it. We have the same conversation. (laughs) That's awesome. So, and and the reason I say that is just because it's so like volatile as to, I don't know like how I'm going to feel like night to night or day to day. (laughs) Yeah. With like, sometimes I love like, you know, over dinner, like, Oh my gosh, did you see Garrett shot? That guy's so talented and good looking and everything, you know, and it's all I can talk about. (laughs) And then some days I'm just like, you know, Oh my gosh, don't talk about please. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else with Disney is fine, but please not Garrett. (laughs) No, but yeah. So I guess, I don't know if I have a good, response with like this is our strategy other than we recognize that it's a very fluid thing Mm -hmm. and try to treat it that way but i don't know do you have anything katie yeah i mean i do think we have we have learned certain things like Mm -hmm. kind of planning ahead of time like if we're gonna do a day trip or an outing to kind of agree that that is our fun time and it's reserved for that and we're not going to talk about work and we're gonna shelve everything yeah um, which is a skill that you develop over time um, and I think it does get easier as you get farther in the industry and you realize the importance of the separation and balancing. But but I'd be lying if I said we don't talk about animation over the dinner table like 75% of the time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it, it's definitely challenging. But then that being said, and I'm sure you guys will agree, it's, I think the pros outweigh the cons heavily just because you mm-hmm. can so easily empathize with whatever I'm going through at work and you can help me if I'm struggling with something or and vice versa for sure. Yeah. yeah. And there are literally times where like I'll have a dailies and think it went bad, but you're listening and you can tell me it was totally fine. What are you and talking I'm, about? Yeah. That's like amazing. That's like, you know, so yeah, in so. that regard, it's extremely helpful. So yeah. um, I obviously wouldn't wish that you weren't in animation. <laughs> oh, thanks, pal. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. one of the things, I mean, I, I think we can go into more of that kind of stuff as well, because I think we definitely feel very similar. Um, <laughs> I'll say one of the pros right off the bat is rap parties. Mm. <laughs> rap parties are fantastic. First of all, twice as many tickets to rap parties. Hey, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but honestly, the other thing about rap parties is because we work at the same company or not even the same company, oh, yeah. same industry. It's, um, you know, when I, I've, I've had an ex-girlfriend that I've brought to, um, rap parties what? and, you know, what? <laughs> I had an ex-girlfriend. Um, no, that again, I, and sh- she was always able to hold her own, but there was still a bit of always making sure you caught her up with what the conversation was and making sure she was introduced to everyone, which, which I mean, most couples are doing at those things. So that's one nice thing at rap parties about being there with a couple is you can kind of like go have your own experience, come back, you know, get excited about. So who have you talked to? What conversations have you had? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. And it's, it's uh, much more organic, I think, because Mm -hmm. It's it's just fun because you can kind of have your own night, come back as a couple, have a good time together, and go talk to these people, blah blah blah. But I think rap parties with with um, having your your partner at the same studio is awesome, especially when <laughs> Rebecca worked at Pixar and I worked at Disney. It's like yes, I get to go to Pixar rap parties. Yeah, I will fly up for a day to San Francisco. That's fantastic. And then <laughs> so and then cool. she'd fly down and and come see you it know she so, go to the Frozen Two rap party. It, it was, was so Hollywood, like. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, hey, you want to come to my sure. premiere? Get on a flight. And yeah. Come up to San Francisco. <laughs> it was so awesome. It was yeah. so that's out of awesome, body. So yeah. that's, that's I'd say, the con. That's that, or sorry, the con. <laughs> <laughs> that's the horrible sorry. part. <laughs> sorry, I mean, I have so many parties sorry. to be that's at. My what gosh. he really meant. That's the Tarantini <laughs> time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I wouldn't lie. Yeah. yeah. Yes. No, um, honestly, though, I think that is the a pro, well, but you, I think I think there are. I, I think, yeah, like when we first got together, I think that was one of the first things you're like, it's so nice. Like we can go to a rap party and I don't have to feel like I got to inter- introduce you or mm-hmm. it's freeing in a way because I'm so in the industry that even a conversation that I have, I have like, I, I know nothing about, I could just jump in and have a conversation and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm sure that was freeing yeah. in a way, you know. But yeah, I mean, sure. in my experience, I think I, I feel the same way. Like, like before David, uh, I was married before mm-hmm. and I was married to someone who was not in the industry. And whenever we'd have like rap parties or stuff, it, it would be a similar experience or even like being at home. You want to talk about an experience you just had at work or, 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 I don't know, an understanding or get someone's thought on something. And it was difficult to have those conversations. Yeah. And, and even like, I think what Katie was saying, like 
there's an understanding when someone is in the same industry as you that, hey, I got to work, you know, till seven to get this done. I'm getting paid. You know, it's not for free, but I need to work a few extra hours to get this shot out. And it doesn't have to be more of an explanation than that. Yeah. yeah. And I do, I, I mean, I just, I want to make one other statement that marriages are hard in this industry. I've known several people who've gone through divorces in the course of it mm. because, again, the work-life balance gets out of whack, right? Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, if you're devoting like like an insane amount of time to work, that means you're taking it away from other things in your life that could potentially ruin those relationships. Um, and when we got together, we experienced a relationship where we both had so much in common, right? Because we met at Sony and then we moved on to DreamWorks separately. And we were able to discuss work and not feel like we're alienating each other in conversations mm -hmm. or even like, you know, what you were also saying, um, where we would be like, you know, let's not talk about animation tonight or I'm, I'm not feeling an animated movie. Let's not watch that. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I don't know, in a way, I feel like we understand each other to a degree that someone outside the industry might have a difficult time doing. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but. For me, I found in my relationships that this worked in a way that it balanced it balanced me and my life mm -hmm. and the things that we do. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I feel like even, um, you know, talking about, you know, films that, you know, there's certain nights. I'm always the one I'm like, hey, do you want to watch Aladdin? Do you want to <laughs> watch Coraline? Do you want to watch something just like a really like and she's like, oh. Can we just like watch Inception or The Departed? <laughs> and first of all, as so that that doesn't even have to do with animation. All my friends out of the a animation industry, they're like, "Your wife's awesome. <laughs> She's like, she she always wants to watch action action movies, and you have to watch these stupid cartoons." I'm like, "They're not stupid." But anyway, um, no, I I, th I think. I think that was actually something. Again, I, I think to quote the same stuff that that uh you guys both said once we got into our relationship um it just same thing we'd get home and we didn't have i found actually the opposite like we didn't it's not like we had mm -hmm. to separate uh talking about animation we didn't have we found ourselves we didn't find ourselves talking about animation because we were at uh dreamworks at the at the time so we were both in the same we were in all the same meetings. We we're on the same movie. And so we knew everything that was going on. So by the time mm -hmm. we got home, we knew what was going on in each other's lives anyway. So it's not like we had to catch each other up on what happened that day because we were yeah. all, we were in the same meetings. And so, um, I mean, obviously th those kind of things happen where you want the other person's take on, well, you were in this meeting. What did you think about that? Or, you know, this, this shot is, is very hard on me, you know, um, and you were there. When the soup or the director, you know, um, gave me this note, what do you think about that? Like, we have those kind of conversations because yeah. sometimes those come up where you're like, you know, I thought it was okay. What did you think? Was he just being too hard on me or whatever? Blah, blah, blah. So we've, we've had those kind of conversations, but overall, you, you're kind of on the same page when you get home. So we yeah. don't really need to have those conversations. During quarantine, that's a totally different story. <laughs> that's exactly what we're going through. Our computers yeah. are right next to each other. And so, <laughs> So the hard part is, and, and, 
And again, it's it's in the room where we used to come and watch movies. movies. Yeah. This is where yeah. this room was our escape, and now we've actually found ourselves wanting to go watch movies on the more uncomfortable couch because <laughs> it's away from our office. Yeah. So, yeah. but I think, um, yeah, when it comes to work, you know, like working with your s- significant other and stuff like that, I think there's more perks to or more pros to cons and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard to describe just like what that understanding is. Like just the fact, like if I get cast a new shot and the bulk of it is like background crowds, characters, like, I don't know if you would understand that it, that can be like a little disappointing if you weren't an animator. Not to complain, right. like I, I'm happy getting cast shots, but just like what it means to get cast like a meaty piece of dialogue yeah. versus like a yeah, like a quick take with like 50 characters. Yeah. And, like you so, get so, that. So that being said, actually, I I have a friend who unfortunately got divorced. Who um, his wife was not in the animation industry, she was an OR nurse. Hmm. And so it was very hard because he came home wanting to bitch and complain Mm -hmm. about something that happened at work about like, you know, this, this shot or, you know, something happened in this scene where he really felt strong about, but the director and blah, blah, blah. And his wife, like, so he was going to complain about that. (laughs) And his wife came home talking about someone who died. And (laughs) naturally, I mean, yeah. Damn. Shut up if you're in the animation industry in that moment, right? You're like, yeah. I have nothing to complain about. Um, but I think over over time that became harder because, yeah. again, everyone has their own truth, their own what they're living and stuff. That being said, I 100% believe OR nurses' lives are or, and what their stresses are way harder than animators. But that being said, everyone does have their own hard times and their own truths and stuff like that. So I think over time that drove them apart too, because they weren't on the same page of what's happening at work and stuff like that. Yeah. I I think also for me, just to piggyback off of that, like I like we were friends before we were romantic in any way. Like we were friends for a good year and there was building a friendship with someone and a respect with someone that then develops into something more romantic and serious, I think builds this stronger foundation, right? And then the fact that I enjoyed, like, spending time with him, like, I genuinely enjoyed him as as a person. So it was nice to spend a day, oh, we happen to be working together, right? And that's yeah. that's rare, I suppose. I don't think... That you yeah. find that in many relationships where the two people in a relationship also work in the same industry and also work in the same company. Well, I, I think I've actually had lots of friends ask me, like, how do you do it? Like, right. you see each other all, all the, the time. time. Like, yeah. how can you work? I'm like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it because because of all the reasons I just said. Because yeah. you get to – you come home and you don't have to worry about catching each other up on each other's days that – some people might not find the other person's day interesting or whatever, but we already know what's going on. Yeah. The difference is I think now with kids and going back to the work-life balance thing and being a parent in, in the industry, um, I think the hard part is now that we're, again, at home quarantining with our kids here as well, 
Um, it's almost like I feel animation and working in the studio together is actually the escape because as soon as because we have so much time that we when it comes to home time and kids and trying to figure out schedules and lunches and dinners and all that kind of stuff um, that gets actually harder the more you're with each other because um, so I, I feel like actually the work thing is is easier for us now. So that, those were really long answers stuff. from all of us. I, I, yeah, I hope that it, was informative at very, all. <laughs> very open-ended, I think. I, I think it was yeah. great, though. I do think it's really valuable yeah. stuff. For people. I feel lucky just, you know, we work five days a week, sometimes six days a week, and you work for the bulk of your adult life, mm-hmm. and you most people don't get to see their partner mm-hmm. for that yeah. time. So we, the fact that we get to see each other and we have one life to live, I, I feel lucky. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Sure. Don't they say like you spend like what is it seventy five percent of your time at work, and like, those become yeah. your family. <laughs> that becomes your family, yeah. right? That's the people you're yeah. seeing every single day. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well marry him. Yeah, you yeah. might as well. <laughs> <laughs> I settled. <laughs> what? I hate this podcast. Oh. Is it like therapy and she's enjoying it? I did not settle. <laughs> Isabel is obviously a storyboard artist, so she's not an animator. And I find that it's nice because we have a little bit of distance. Like we're not both doing the same thing, but we're also close enough where like she can relate to a lot of the problems yeah. that like I go in, like getting shots or, or whatever, like any stress, like we can kind of talk about it. So what I was curious to ask you guys was like, do you ever deal with like things like jealousy or anything because you're both in this, the same department? Cause I know if Isabel was like an animator and I would just be the worst partner, I would just be constantly <laughs> jealous. Maybe it's not a big, big deal at all. You guys I think it's a great out, I'm sure. question. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good question. I don't, I don't know if I have an answer to it. It's, I think it depends on the job. I think yeah. when we were at S- Snapchat, we were both supervisors, um, which was interesting because we both had our teams, but therefore we also had to be in a lot of meetings together and agree on how we were going to shape the studio. Because um, that, that, that studio, the whole team, I think, was 40 people and we Mm -hmm. were in all the meetings together trying to shape what the team was right and so it was great um but i think that was i think it it, i i don't think jealousy is the right term at all i think it was more um that i think above any job and i know you've agreed (laughs) because we talked about this last night even um that that job i think above any job was where um, it was hard to leave home and work separate or it's hard to separate mm-hmm. home and work because totally we were both supervisors. So, so much of our heads were in that job and trying to compromise with the teams. And we had to report, not report to each other, but any ideas had to pass each other before it could pass to the team and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That, that was one job I don't think we could separate home and work from and, it was really hard, and I'm glad we're not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that definitely was a yeah. challenging time. But I think, uh, I think I'm think i grateful for that time 100%. because I, I think it, it made us stronger as a couple. Yes. But well, we learned a lot from it, yeah, for sure. To hit some challenging roadblocks where we genuinely had to have discussions that we perhaps didn't agree upon. 
And up to that point, we had agreed upon things. Everything between us, honestly, up until then, was light and fluffy and we love you and everything. <laughs> everything was great. And that was a and tough that was a couple of years. Job. Yes. Yeah. But but wow. again, it, it helped us grow closer yeah. together. I mean, I suppose that challenge could have ended the opposite way for different couples, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. If that Super answers your question thank at you. all. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing. I know it's like a weird like thing. So yeah, I mean, we've <laughs> I appreciate dealt it. with it off and on. I feel like it was harder when we were younger and mm-hmm. hadn't yet like achieved all of the dreams or getting to the places we wanted to go. And we're kind <laughs> Not of like, like now where we've, you know, we achieved no, all I our dreams. Achieved all right. it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. That was mean. Not I shouldn't have made but that But I think joking. it was harder was when we were like applying to internships and yeah. getting news at different yeah. times and not knowing where we were totally. going to be. For sure. And then, yeah. yeah. And then I think we like traded jealousies when I like, went to Disney as a PA and you're working in commercials, but then yeah. you went to DreamWorks as an animator and I was a PA, but I wanted to be an animator. So I think we like yeah. sh- just have kind of traded it a little bit. That's, yeah. Yeah. But and now I think, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm curious to hear what you'll say. That's when you're quiet. Drama. Spill that tea then. That's right. No, I, uh, I totally agree. And, Um, I think also uh, maybe even more so than jealousy is something one of the biggest challenges has been dealing with when one person is feeling particularly inspired and one person is feeling the opposite. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because sometimes that's not just like today. That can be for like months in a year Mm -hmm. or something. And specifically, I remember at SCAD (laughs) a really tough time that we had to talk through and uh, I'll tell a story because it reflects poorly on me instead. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, yeah. Katie was just like killing it with stop motion at SCAD, like ba- basically right away. Um, and CG, I was much slower to pick it up. And like, you know, if you were to compare her first stop motion reel to my CG reel, it was, I mean, night and day. You know, she was hireable and I was not. It was just <laughs> as simple as that. And um, I would say that motion is a much smaller pool, so it's easier. Uh, to break no. into, anyway, yeah, she's going to talk herself down. But no, she did really, really well. <laughs> and um, so then she would send out like inquiries for internships. And she was also really like on the ball and proactive with like, you know, sending out correspondence and stuff. And she was just getting like left and right, like, oh, wow, we love it. Do you want an internship here? Like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you can come here and do this. And and I was like. So then Katie was like feeling super jazzed. She was like on the path to, you know, fill her dreams. And she was like, Ben, like, come on, like send it out, you know, network. And, and I was like, well, none of my emails get answered, (laughs) you know, like it was like, you know, I wasn't even at the point where like I really uh, justified an answer, which is a tough place to be. Um, So I, I literally remember a time where I was like, oh my God, I just like, I think Katie had gotten like her dream internship at Leica or something. And I still hadn't heard back anything. And I was like, I just want to go home and curl up in a ball and not think about animation for a year. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I, I was very happy for Katie and proud of her, but it was really difficult. Maybe it was just a character flaw on my part, but to not then immediately directly compare myself and be like, wow, all these successes that I'm not having. Um, and I felt totally, and Katie's response was, 
do more, you know, like it, network more, send out more. And I had the total opposite desire where I was like, no, I just want to wallow in this for a <laughs> while and be discouraged. And I think those were some of the toughest times. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I think it just came down to we just had to be open about how we were feeling. Yeah. And 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 I had to admit that, like, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I think you're doing great and I'm really jealous and I'm really like, you know, bummed about myself. Um, I don't want to make you to feel, don't want to make you feel bad at all because you're doing incredible and it's awesome. But, you know, and just to talk through it. And then Katie was always very good about like, I totally get it. Don't worry. Like she would like, uh, like she just said a couple of minutes ago, she was like, you know, you're competing against a big, this big pool of people. You haven't done CG before. Just, keep at it you know and and was supportive in that way and uh and i think yeah then just over over time the fact that i felt like i didn't have to hide that from her mm-hmm. and the fact that she could still talk about her successes and stuff without feeling like you know she had to hide that from me i think is what helped us get through it then and yeah. you know i mean i think it it was two things that made it easier i think one was and this is the easier route is you get a certain number of accomplishments under your belt and can like kind of revisit your accomplishments to boost your confidence when you feel low. And then the other Mm -hmm. is just maturity, I think, which is, I think over time, I think you can get better at being happy for people when they succeed rather than taking it as your own failure. Yeah. Um, which is definitely a developing skill and one that you get over time. Um, But I think as we've gotten older, we've gotten better at just feeling, yeah, genuinely happy and proud for our friends um, and each other when we have accomplishments. Yeah, for Um, sure. So, yeah, I think it's maturity and just getting farther along in your career. But that being said, like, like it's, there are a couple other things that made it easier. One was, at first we were in different fields. I was in stop motion and I was in production management. And then later on when I came to CG, I was so far behind you in just in terms of experience that I could divorce myself from you comparison. Wait, what? You're getting a divorce? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But I just like knew it didn't make sense to compare myself to you because I had taken two years off and I had, and never had, like, studied never CG animated before. CG, right, right. Um, so that made it easier. But now that I'm catching up, I feel like I, I, I'm now like a little bit like, oh, I want your shots. They look nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very much so evolving. It, it evolves. But thing, yeah. it, one thing that does help, and I wonder, and I know we're going long here, but one thing that does help is that I think we have different strengths and I think we have yeah. different interests in terms of what we want to animate. Like, I think you gravitate towards some physicality and or physicality mixed with acting, it seems like is your kind of sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And I gravitate towards like subtlety. Yeah. But um yeah, it's it's a juicy topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe now's a good time to bring up burnout. Um Ooh. burnout's a term I feel like I've heard a lot getting thrown around and I feel like it means different things to different people. My understanding of burnout is like you overwork yourself to a point where it affects your mental health in some way. And that can manifest in like you being unable to work for like months or years even, or it's just like 
you feel like crap and it's just a mental thing where you feel awful. So I think this is a part of our industry that um, I guess if you don't prioritize your work-life balance, it can happen. You can get burnt out. And I would love to open it up for all of us to talk about, like, have we experienced it? Um, what does it mean to us? Um, and tips on how to deal with it. One of the things I think of are when I can tell I'm really getting burnout is when I'll get cast a shot that I know I would normally be super excited and stoked to animate and stoked. I haven't used that word, but, um, There's still time. <laughs> yeah. But I just, um, am not feeling it, you know, where I'm like, okay, on paper, this is like exactly the kind of thing I want. Maybe it was a shot I requested, but just good Lord, I'm so tired. And like, that's, <laughs> that's usually when the alarms start going off in my head where I'm like, okay, I need to do something here. And whether it's like, take a little time off or, or I don't, even if, you know, time off isn't possible, sometimes I'll just be like, okay, I'll, I'll just have a light day or something where I'll be like, okay, as long as I can just shoot reference and look around in the Maya file, I'll call that a win for the day. Just because I, you know, it, I'm feeling like I can do nothing. So I'll just, you know, give myself little goals like that. Or, uh, you know, if it's getting to that point on a movie and there's still like, I don't know, a few months left or something, I usually try to, again, break things down into bite-sized pieces where I'm like, okay, well, on this shot, I'm really not feeling it. I'm so tired, but I'm going to really focus on trying to get appealing mouth shapes, you know, and that, you know, that's a, seems like a digestible task. You know, I, I don't have to like, not that I'm going to do a bad job on the other stuff, but you know, like I'll just give myself something to feel like I'm still progressing and learning, even though I'm not really feeling it right now. Um, I don't know. I guess those are just, yeah, a couple little practical ways of how I try to address it, but it is a very real danger for sure. So going back to something you just said, you get shots you request? <laughs> <laughs> All hypothetical, of what? course. You know? <laughs> He's a showman. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Burnout is something that I I don't ever know when it's going to strike, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like, I feel like, you know, s sometimes when you have lots of overtime, you assume you're going to get totally burnt out. And then you actually find a, you're, you're okay going through it. You're like, you're actually enjoying it. It's, um, you're getting through your stuff. Or even if you're not, you're just, you're kind of in a good headspace. But then I think what you said is true where burnout kind of comes in kind of weird forms that you're like, yes, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Or, mm -hmm. or, um, I find myself craving simple things. I yeah. find that's one thing. One thing, <laughs> one thing when I know I'm really burnt out is like, I want the color green and nature and trees, mm. something, yeah. some, in, in other words, something that doesn't feel modern and in industrial and all that kind of stuff that, you know, when, you know, and, and, and again, we work at a studio that is super inspiring. There's beautiful artwork everywhere. And so when those things start to feel routine and you mm -hmm. start to feel like, wait, I was just here and like, I went home really late and it's morning and like, wait, it, like I'm right back to where I was and all that kind of stuff. When those things that usually fuel me aren't doing it anymore. So exactly what you said. It's just kind of like, I think I need a break. I need to just, even though 
you know, I have to get this done or whatever. I need just like half an hour by myself outside taking a break during the day, like that kind of thing. Just, you know, or maybe take an, take one day before the weekend and, or something like that. I don't know. But, um, I try and schedule my, um, my time off actually planning for that. I think I've worked in the industry long enough where I can feel when my burnout might hit. Um, it's, you know, usually even when I do that, I don't necessarily, like it doesn't necessarily hit at that, that exact time, but it, it's, it's, it's a good time to take it and stuff. And that's usually when I kind of go see my family or again, go, we book a cabin and just enjoy nature and nothing. I hate Mm-hmm. Like around those times, I don't want internet. I don't want my phone. I don't want anything. I want to literally be fueled by the sound of wind through leaves. <laughs> like, like seriously. And I find when that refreshes me, that's how I knew I was burnt out. So sometimes I don't even know I was burnt out until I realize what it feels like not to be burnt out. That's that's a very totally. good point. It can kind yeah. of be there without you noticing it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think. Just tabbing on what you had mentioned, I think burnout happens. Again, I mean, we talked about the life-work balance, but I think, at least for me in my experience, burnout arrives when you don't give yourself enough things outside of this world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to keep your equilibrium, (laughs) you know? Uh, Totally. And that can mean very a lot of different things for everybody. Like for us, it's family, it's being outdoors. It's not just our family, our kids. We're talking about like our parents, like going to visit our extended family, getting outside of the routine, which is the other thing you mentioned. When routine happens over and over and over and over, at a certain point, you're leaving work, you know, when it's dark and you're arriving at work when it's dark. You almost forget where the day went and then days turn into weeks and then months and I think, at least from my experience, I've realized, like, okay, I know I'm going to be on this project for this amount of time. So I know I'm going to be off this time. Let's book something. Whatever that is. Did we want to go to Canada? Do we want to go to Florida? Do we want to, you know, rent a cabin at Big Bear? Do we want to just go to the beach? Like, just book your time off. Take a week off, even if you're not, like, planning it. And then when you're done in the crunch or done on that project, we literally go. And in time, we've realized that when you plan it out that way, you preemptively avoid that burnout Mm. that you inevitably feel. And even if you don't think you need it, you're like, nah, I don't need a vacation. Like the second you go on the vacation and come back, there's this level of motivation. Yeah. And this freshness that comes back to you. That sees you through another six months or another, you know, range of time. And when I haven't or when we haven't booked that regularly, then that's when you kind of fall off the cliff. Um, Mm -hmm. At least that's what I found in my experience. So preemptively booking vacations, you know the project's going to end. Just go on it. I only have one one story where that bit me in the ass actually was (laughs) I was working on I Am Legend. Um... Years ago, remember that movie? Um, I love yeah, that movie. Yeah. It was a good movie. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the movie I actually really watching en- it was a good movie. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, watching I, it was I good. actually really enjoyed the movie. I highly suggest anyone who 
watches that movie to get the the version of it that was the original cut. The original. So there was the theatrical release, and then they release another version, which is way better because really? it's the director's original vision, which makes sense. The oh, yeah, theatrical version they changed a few weeks before they released it, and yeah, so oh, wow. it makes no sense. But anyway. I planned because I could see what kind of like this movie it was a really hard crunch and so I booked time when the movie was over so I took like a good like few weeks off and it was great I was all relaxed and I came back and found out they were changing the ending and it's still on for another month (laughs) so not only did I come back and during all that all the scenes had changed so all my work that I had previously done is off the movie Um, I came back and then I was right back into that crunch mentality and then I was burnt out again because I was burnt out, took the vacation to get unburnt out, but came back into that same headspace. So that was, that sucks. That's why trying to plan it accordingly and, you know, try and get a sense of when the shows will kind of wrap and stuff like that. It's kind of important. Sometimes also that being said, Sometimes it's actually really important if it's going to be a long crunch time to actually plan some time. And we did this this year, yeah. taking some time off, which we've never done. Usually we save it for yeah. after the movie's done. Yeah. But we actually took some time. We took two weeks in the middle of the movie, if you can do that. And uh, we actually felt great. And we came back and we were all jazzed to you know continue working on the movie. I think that was That's also um, because of quarantine, right? So the oh, particular yes. moment we're in in this time has confined us to this space. So not only are you crunching, but you're also living in the same, like, you know, 1,200 square feet where you can't get away and there's no break times. And, you know, everybody's living the same experience. So I think for us, we didn't even realize how deep we were in that craziness until we took that break in the middle of the production. And it was because of the girls' school, which was starting up and we're like okay we need a break before school starts because that's going to be insane in and of itself mm-hmm. with working from home so luckily we were able to to take a couple of weeks off in the middle of production and realize wow that was fantastic yeah <laughs> we should do that again <laughs> do that all the time yeah that's a great tip for yeah. sure I feel very similarly to you guys like kind of the warning signs that start to set in for me one of the signs and I'm not proud to admit it is that I'll start making simpler choices in my animation because I just like don't have the willpower to do something more quirky and more specific and I know is going to take longer Mm. whereas normally you know I'll do whatever it takes to make the best shot I can but I just kind of start shifting towards okay what can I do to hit this deadline and not kill myself (laughs) Um, whereas I wish I always, you know, prioritize the quality and then, um, I definitely, like you guys said, those moments where you do take a break and just realize, oh my gosh, I'm so much more recharged than if I hadn't. And for me, that can even be, yeah, just one personal day or you make one two day weekend, a three day weekend. Um, or I like to actually... I'll schedule my personal days right after I finish a shot just so that I can really completely shelf work for a second and not even think about, oh, her cats are fighting back. <laughs> I'm blo- I was watching you. Yeah, I was watching your cat. It's really cute. Yeah, yeah. I'll start. No, o- honestly, and, and I'll say this. I don't know. Again, I don't 
know if you're if you can edit this in or not. It doesn't matter. I, just between us, I we are very lucky with how our studio is handling quarantine right now. They are being so understanding of everyone and really trying to give people what they need. And again, I don't know if we're allowed to say that or not, but I genuinely feel so lucky for where we're working right now because they have been beyond fantastic during this time. They've been so understanding about everyone's individual needs. Yeah. But I, yeah, I totally agree with you, uh, David. And what I was going to say is like, I've never experienced burnout where I've been like wanting to stop working for years. And I have known people who like left the industry because of burnout like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm very lucky to have never experienced that. But the closest thing I would say, and we're going to get into this a little bit later when we talk about personal projects, is um, uh, experiencing a little bit of burnout on my short film brush, which I feel like I keep mentioning on this podcast. <laughs> I keep plugging it. I'm so Check sorry. It out. <laughs> I've, for all I've, of our listeners, I've actually seen that it's been entered into some film festivals. It's into some, yeah. It's I'm excited to hear how that goes. That's awesome, man. Oh my gosh! Um, but, <laughs> like, but yeah, up, just Dave. to give a little, people weren't supposed to know that. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. But just to give a little context, yeah, this is a short film I made after graduating, and I worked on it over the course of like five years. And it was challenging because I worked on it after work hours. So I'd like work a full day, come back home, work on it more. And at like, I think I was like 70% of the way done with animation. And I was just like, I hate this film. I want to stop. I, I hate the work I'm doing in it. I think I'm going to be judged by people in the industry. I think it's going to hurt my career. Like it was a very dark spot for my mental state. Wow. And I think when you work on something for a long period of time, like this is probably relatable to people like because you look at your old work and you're like, oh, that looks like garbage because you've grown so much as an artist. But that makes it so hard to like continue like (laughs) working on something. So I felt like super shitty about uh, finishing it. And what helped me was uh, taking a break from it, like you guys have said, like definitely stepping back, taking like a month off or two, um, but also like being really structured about when I would work on it. Like, like, okay, I can't, I, I, at a certain point I was like, I can't work on this after work. I can't like spend Monday through Friday working and then going back home and working on it. I'm like, that's not working for me. I have to work on it like a couple hours on the weekend. And Unfortunately, that makes it take so long and it took so long to finish it. But I had to do that because I was like, this is going to burn me out. You know, if you're just constantly working and not doing anything. Um, Yeah. So I guess if anyone's working on personal projects in addition to work, I feel you. I I feel bad because it's really hard. (laughs) Um, But but try to work on stuff that you can finish quickly rather than... uh, over the course of like five, 10 years, because you're just going to grow. I mean, I'm sure all of us can speak to that. You grow as an artist and you look at your old stuff and you're like, ah, it looks awful. I will say about that, by the way, and again, this is totally off topic, but as soon as you told me you completed your film, because I know you had been talking about it for a while, about this film that you had (laughs) lingering from college and all that kind of stuff, I was 
You don't know how happy I was when I heard that you completed Aww. it. Not like, oh, God, finally you can stop talking about it. It wasn't like that. But I was... I was relieved. Yeah. And then he keeps bringing it <laughs> up on and the he podcast. he keeps promoting it and, oh, God, no. I was, I was talking about this with someone the other day, too, about how I am genuinely excited for anyone who works on their own stuff. I... I get excited. I get like, I take it back to like high school when people, you know, like I think all of us or a bunch of us in the industry were like kind of like the artists of their high school, but because there were only like two or three of us. And then you went to college where everyone was the artist of their high school. But when I was in high school, like people would be like, you know, just drawing in their little sketchbooks or whatever. And they'd be like, don't look at it. You're, you know, you're, you're an artist. You can't look at this. And I'm like, I was just so excited to see what people worked on on their own no matter what it was like what excites them even if you're not in animation if you're a wood carver or you you build apps or whatever i just love seeing what people do on their own time and so the fact that you started something like a short film and completed it i was so pumped for you oh thank you david it's off topic i apologize but no, I, I mean, it, it's hard to anyone making a short film and anyone by the way who quits their short film I understand a hundred percent and I don't beat yourself up because I was so close to quitting. <laughs> and I think a lot of people probably were at that spot. It's like, it's so hard. Yeah. I definitely reached a point with my short, f- or I was similar to Garrett in that I like never finished my senior thesis from our graduate school and like was working on it um, pretty much all through the, the time that I was a PA. And then um, got into Disney's Apprentice program and used some of the shots from that film on the reel. And oh, I reached awesome. this point where I kind of felt like, oh, I've sort of outgrown this film. Like this, I started this four years ago and now like I'm a much better animator. And in order to finish this, like probably take another couple of years, I don't really feel like I, I need to get it much farther. Like it was fully animated, but it it still needed lighting, compositing and just kind of decided. And it was very like peaceful. I, I like saw, had originally seen the film as my way to switch to the creative side from production management. And I felt like people wouldn't respect me as an artist until I finished the film. But then when I kind of got that through animation, I didn't need that anymore, um, and I didn't need it to switch to being an artist. So, uh, yeah, all I just organically came to the decision to shelve it and still feel fine about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what's interesting about this too is I feel like that kind of falls into the work life balance as well. Is trying to find your creativity outside of work, mm-hmm. and totally. And sometimes you realize. When it gets too, you can burn out doing that too because you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out. I'm working a full, a full day of work and then coming home, and you're just trying to get your own personal project done. You can burn out from that as yeah. well because you're putting too much on your shoulders. And again, it all mm-hmm. comes back to what y- you were saying about you've got 24 hours in the day. How do you spend yeah. that time? And yes, sometimes those personal projects you're up till six in the morning because it's because no one else is. So that's when you get stuff done. But then because yeah. of that, you become uh, less productive the next day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's all just trying to find that balance. And I find 
even now, like that balance. I've been out of the personal project kind of game for a while. Like I used to do my own YouTube channel and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, you know, you get people like, Hey, are you, are you ever making more cartoons and all that kind of stuff? I'm like, yes, I've got so many planned, but (laughs) right now, you know, um, right now work is busy, which, but I'm actually really, really enjoying work and all that kind of stuff. But also we're in quarantine. So I want to be there for my family as well, who, you know, we're all having a hard time. So, but over time, that continues and now I'm actually getting that itch again. And so now it's inspiring and I can't wait to get back to doing that stuff. So, you know, you don't want to force yourself to, but when you get that itch, it's like, Oh good. That means my body is preparing to get back to doing my own stuff again. That's actually a really good point is like, listen to yourself, like listen, don't force something. And I feel like for my film, I kept feeling like, Oh man, I just got to get this done. And I think there's a balance. Cause like, if you, always need to like wait for inspiration to strike. You'll never get anything done. Like, so it's like a little bit of a balance, but I think you should, I, I love what you said. Like you got to listen to yourself and when inspiration strikes, that's when you're going to be the most motivated to do cool work. This is a bit of a segue, but something I, a question I have been dealing with recently is something I heard on the Brene Brown podcast recently, and she was talking about the importance of literally having fun and playing, and that could be defined as unstructured, unproductive time where you feel recharged and you lose track of time when you're doing Mm. something. And I would just – that question really – hit home for me because I feel like I am someone where I strategically plan every minute of my day to be productive and have an end goal, whether it's career-based or health-based or whatever it is. I I don't feel like right now I have a time or a hobby or an activity where I lose track of time and it's just for fun, aside from maybe watching TV and like going for a bike ride or something, I feel like even my exercise, I'm like, oh, I have to like get into shape. So I'm going to exercise. Um, so that's something I've been personally wrestling with and debating like, oh, should I like take up knitting or <laughs> whatever it is? Just looking for something that's very much just purely. Fun. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think for a lot of people that can be video games, it can be wood carving. I know, like we know, so many animators who have a random hobby. Um, yeah, but the hard bills oh, can no. knitting could be a productive thing to do, though. Like, if yeah. you need a sweater <laughs> or a scarf. <laughs> you, you know, the winter is coming. Yeah, like I could even see that turning into oh, someone just had a baby. I should knit them a blanket, and oh, it's it's due date is in November, so I got to do that in two weeks. But yeah, it's uh, so, so hard to like keep it like just about you. Relaxing. Yeah, so I'm yeah. trying. Like I, I'm just curious if anyone else deals with that or has gotten over that. <laughs> Start I, playing Elder Scrolls Online with me, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> people to play. Even video games. I was thinking about. I was like, oh wow, I gravitate towards like Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley and those games. You like yeah. build up your house and farm. Yeah, like. they're very productive. <laughs> games. Yeah. Well, I think I like, I, honestly, I think that's the hard part too, and. and the, Again, this all comes into prioritizing and trying to figure out the flow and what fuels you and what doesn't, because that's the hardest part is that 
all of these things, like I get, you know, like I get burnt out doing my own stuff and then find like, I just want a night to watch a movie. Yeah. And then I go through those, like, you know, I find I get through to that thing where I'm watching a new movie every night. And then I get to the point, I'm like, I'm wasting my time watching movies right now. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm not enjoying it. I feel like, or, or, or at the worst, this is why I don't watch series TV. Because I'm like, I'm just trying to get through this series before mm. I can do something else. And yeah. even my peaceful moments, I find, like, out of the blue, I realize I don't, by the way, I'm not a morning person. I do not wake up early if I can help it, but we have kids, so that happens. But I'm like, <laughs> one day I went out in the backyard, grabbed a coffee and or whatever, and sat out and watched the dragonflies, watched the hummingbirds. And I was at more peace than I've been in the longest time. So I started doing that. And then that became my productive activity. It became scheduled. After a while, I'm like, I feel like I'm coming out too relaxed, but I'm trying too hard to relax. Mm -hmm. Now I just want to watch a movie again. <laughs> so, yeah. But again, that's life, right? Human, yeah. Humans um, do something until they... I think we grow. We grow until we hit that peak. We're like, okay, we've had enough of this. Let's try something else and blah, blah, blah. So all of this is just life and you got to... I think the more okay you are with realizing that things are organic and need to change and mm -hmm. and stuff, the more happy you'll be rather than trying to set these things that define you. Mm -hmm. As soon as you're more organic and just allow things to happen as they happen, the more peaceful you'll be. And this happens with burnout too. I remember I went to, I went, you know, you do, so I hadn't seen my brother in a really long time. I was burnt out from a from a, a project. We went to the Caribbean. We booked an all-inclusive resort. We just set like we were so excited. We haven't spent time, and this is like the person I probably have the most com in common with in the world. He's my twin brother. We laid on that beach for ten days. It took five days to be relaxed because for the first five days we were trying to relax. We were trying to get that brother conversation that we have been missing we were trying mm -hmm. to feel like you know feel like we were back like we were when we were kids and then finally we realized we were trying too hard we just chilled and we're like this is a great vacation because we're not trying right now you know <laughs> so i think yeah that's awesome. um i think that's kind of how you know people just are you're always you want something but as soon as you get it you fight to keep that, but you actually realize you're not necessarily supposed to keep that. You should mm -hmm. allow whatever's next to come. Yeah, that's true. This has been a message by David Spidal. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually gotten into now during quarantine. It's given me the opportunity. And again, because like I literally got back after my year at Pixar and I, I went from being over there five days a week and here on the weekends, like for a whole year. And then, we're all here 24 hours a day, seven days a week Wow! wow. in yeah. the house. Big change. So it was, it was definitely <laughs> yeah. like a shift in mentality, but I've actually taken like the opportunity to like, I've always wanted to bake bread. So I started oh, wow. learning how to bake bread and just finding, cause again, we go to our arsenal of like knowledge of food we're going to make, right? I know my mm -hmm. five dishes and those are the ones I'm great at. And those are the ones that kind of get circulated, but there's seven days in a week, not five. So <laughs> right. yeah. anyways, so I've 
I've, it's really been fun, like searching different recipes that I would never have cooked, like Indian food or Thai mm-hmm. food that I, I don't know anything about, you know, coconut milk, but it, you know, <laughs> it's in the recipe. So let's buy it. And, uh, and the same thing with bread. So then I started doing like really basic bread recipes and, and this was kind of like a study in patience too. Mm-hmm. So like just almost meditating on, the moment of making the bread, you know, like the ingredients, letting it rise, stepping away, coming back, and then, you know, kneading the dough. And then it, it, it in a strange way, was very meditative, meditative yeah. during that, not just an hour time. It was like a good two hours. And it's been fun exploring that part of it because also it's so removed from a computer. You know, yeah. it's something tactile and it's something like that can feed us. So it's been fun, like creating something with my hand, like artistically, like sculpting, but also That's being awesome. able to taste it and then yeah. share it and then, and then tweak the recipe and do enough versions that I'm like, well, how about if we throw some olives in there? We really love olives. Let's do olive bread. And like, it's, it's been fun and like stress relieving during this kind of time where you're confined to the space so that's, that's what so I've been up cool. to. you gotta send us your bread okay <laughs> happy hour <laughs> that's i'll awesome. put it on Answered the porch bread. you guys can pick it yeah. up <laughs> oh, by the way yeah. these are the kind of answers you get when you interview old people now <laughs> <laughs> no that's amazing <laughs> at the same time that's we've fantastic. been like you know people at work you'll you'll see them like talking to each other and like swapping recipes and stuff you're like i've never cared about like how to make a pretzel, but all of a sudden people start getting really excited about pretzel. I'm like, uh, Rebecca, so uh, blah 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 is making pretzels, and they said it's really good. I think you should get the recipe. I know he did mention it twice. <laughs> that's hilarious. No, yeah. that's great, oh, man. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah, yeah. it's been fun. I'm jealous. I'm still trying to find <laughs> find mine. I, I don't know what my. I'm actually. That's actually, to be honest. Um, during quarantine, that's been a hard thing for me is trying to find out what what I'm supposed to be doing or what I can do to unwind. Um, for me to kind of like take a break and, you know, relax, really, it feels like it's it waits till the weekends when I can, you know, kind of just sit and chill in the morning while the kids are watching their Saturday morning cartoons and stuff and just sort of sit and have some alone time. Um and then I'm trying to, on the weekdays, in the evenings after the kids go to bed, go on a walk. But, mm-hmm. again, it's that's all stuff that's happening because we're in quarantine and yeah. we can't do a lot of stuff. Yeah. To be 100% honest, I haven't found what really fuels me during this. And I find every single day I have a plan for the evening <laughs> that I want to – I'm like, I'm going to start my short film. I'm going to yeah. – Complete that script. I'm going to whatever, right? And trying to be productive. I, I, cause I'm excited about it, like all day. Yeah. And even at yeah. dinner, as I'm getting the kids ready for bed, I'm like, I can't wait. Only <laughs> five more minutes and that's it. As soon, and I, I know you're tired of hearing this, Rebecca, cause I've said this to everybody, <laughs> but like seriously, as soon as I close their door for bedtime, I sit down on the couch for two seconds and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that tonight. <laughs> I like yeah. everything I was excited about all day. I, I can't do it right now. So I'm still, I'm still trying to find out what that is that can totally just, yeah. 
that I can let Refuel go of. Refuel you. Yeah. Refuel. Oh yeah, yeah. Me On a happy too. note, that's that's my answer. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel the same I was way. Say, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of glad you went because I, I just feel like. Yeah. I mean, previously I launched into like I don't know how to not have productive or make my food. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but I, I, yeah, I go on walks. I definitely really enjoy walking around the neighborhood and really taking my time. Like on a Saturday, I'll go for a three-hour walk and just say, Ben, I'm. I'm not sure when I'll be back, to be honest. <laughs> and I just go like, and explore. Do you mean like ever? Or like, right? Yeah. Three yes. days later. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. he texts me and he's like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, oh, she does yeah, the same okay. thing. She's like, I'm going to bed now. I'm like, how long have I been gone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, which, I, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do as much because of crunch. Uh, as mm-hmm. I used to, or on a normal work schedule, I would walk like every morning, but I haven't really been able to. And so I can feel that eating away at me a little bit. But I wrote down a big list of things to try. <laughs> One is baking. <laughs> I'll send you some recipes. Yeah. Nice. Another is calligraphy. I sort of thought maybe I could get into brush lettering and that would be an interesting hobby. Um, Oh, I used to play cello and sing. So I was like, okay, maybe I should do music again as an outlet because that's been pretty much shelved since college, which is now (laughs) almost 10 years ago. So I'm still figuring it out as well. Um, and I totally, (laughs) yeah, I totally go through the same thing where on a Saturday morning we'll have coffee and be super jazzed and maybe go for a walk and I'll talk about my script I want to write and (laughs) not get home and I take a nap and give up on it. Yeah, I'm, uh, we're definitely figuring it out, but the one, um, steady source of recharge for us, which I will tout forever is House Hunters International favorite <laughs> <Yeah>. show. <laughs> sure, it's just yeah, it's my form of escapism during the pandemic because you watch these people choose a place to live abroad, and I always just have these fun thoughts of oh maybe we could spend a year in New Zealand, um, and that's yeah that's my recharging time right now is we end our crunch days with house hunters international (laughs) that's awesome that's amazing yeah yeah i don't have a great response either to be honest i i used to uh or used to like it was years ago like typically i would say like uh oh i like to draw and stuff and you know have unstructured time but lately even that like i've I'm like, it's too close to the same world. Like, even though what we do, you know, I'm not drawing day to day, but just that it's like, I have not found it relaxing lately. And I, and I found myself super like, um, just focused on the product and not on the process of just drawing and having a good time. Um, Mm. so yeah, similarly kind of looking around, I will say something I, times I do feel really chill and that I really like is like, yeah, when we're having coffee on like a Saturday morning and we've got the whole weekend and like, you know, (laughs) we have some plans here and there, but you know, nothing super set in stone yet. And I, I love that time. I also really like David. I felt better when you said you're not a morning person because I'm definitely (laughs) not a morning person and I always feel guilty about it, but I do like, uh, 
sometimes I'm like the last one awake in the apartment. And I kind of love that time <laughs> too. Cause I've always been like, it just always, I've been more of a night owl. And you know, when I was 12 years old and living with my whole family, I would still be the last one awake in the house. And there's just something about that time. I really like being away, even if I'm not like doing anything, I'm like, Oh, this is just me time. Literally like <laughs> everyone's asleep. Nothing's going yeah. on. Uh, so it's not really an activity. It's more just I I could be doing anything, whether it's just like looking around on line or doodling or I don't it's know. True. I, 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 I feel but. I feel the same thing with being awake at night. And, and, and I read a few articles about it that I really related to mm-hmm. about just being awake at night. It's kind of like there's something very creative and very freeing of knowing that most of the world is asleep. And you're, it's just you time. It's like, you know, it's, yeah. it, I'm sure it's the exact same feeling for people who get up when we're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's yeah. like, it's this freeness of being awake, seeing the sunrise and just sort of having that fresh time where it's just you while everyone else is asleep. And I, I get the exact same way at night. I also feel like going to bed early is take, is like, if I go to bed early, the next day is going to come too soon. And, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's amazing. I feel like you guys have come up with really good things. Um, and I don't have much to add. One thing I've been doing lately, which might be, people might be thinking this is weird, but I find that because we work from home, like the work day and my personal day gets like blurred and I'm like constantly in my shot in my head and like, it's bad. It's like, I can't get out of my head. So at the end of work, (laughs) I spend 10 minutes and I meditate and I listen Mm -hmm. to this, like there's like apps that do this. um, But one of them I listen to is like brainwave and it basically plays this like tone mixed with like ambient sound, like waves or something. And I literally like sit in my room. Send us your money. (laughs) (laughs) It's entirely just a fake scammy app. (laughs) No, those things are fantastic. Seriously. Those are great. Yeah. They, it, I basically listen to it to spend 10 minutes and then I go downstairs and I like make dinner and stuff and I feel like I can have a conversation and just like, I'm like, now I'm done. I'm done with work. I, It's hard. Sometimes I accidentally check my email and I'm like, shit, like I see something and it brings me back or like I see a Slack and I'm like, I got to like delete that. But mm-hmm. that's a tip I have if, if, uh. If any of you are having trouble with that. That's, that's actually, great. I mean, especially with everything going on in the world and the country right now, I feel like my phone is actually hurting me more than helping me yeah. right now. So, totally. you know, I've been feeling a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and I'm just one of those people who literally my thumb does, like it does, it does all the work now. It gets to apps <laughs> that I'm like, wait, I didn't even know the phone was in my hand and now I'm in Facebook. <laughs> Like it just, yeah. it, it's doing that as soon as I have a free time, my, my hand just goes in my pocket, grabs my phone and goes to Facebook. Um, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so I, again, those same mornings when I go out and try and have like a relaxing time with my coffee or whatever, um, I've tried to just literally leave my phone in the room mm-hmm. and not, and this is the, the only time I don't have my phone. And when I've done that, when I can't reach reach my phone it's been very freeing and my mind goes elsewhere it yeah it starts looking for um what's the word i'm looking for for fuel and for inspiration or 
something to latch onto elsewhere. So it actually looks for things around me, which is what I think the human brain is supposed to be doing. <laughs> it looks at hummingbirds. It looks at dragonflies. It looks, Life. wow, that plant's shade of green is different than that plant's shade of green. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it just, you can kind of be a little bit more, you know, just d- detached from society and be alone with yourself for a while, which is exactly what you're saying by going into those apps. Yeah. 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 Man, I completely agree. I I recently just like I periodically I'll just delete those apps just to not have them on my phone and you just can't believe how freeing it is and the most recent separation I did was just not having Slack, which is our workplace messenger service on my phone was a huge separation. I just was like, okay, you know what? I can check it on my desktop when I'm at work. When yeah. I'm away from the computer, I don't need to check it. That's great. And that just made even oh, like my workouts and walks better because I didn't realize how much when I went for a run or something and was flexing my hours, how much I still felt that pull towards work mm-hmm. and would check it just to make sure I didn't get a message. And then when I would get a message, it would be like the Anim Department Pets channel. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so st- I was so stressed that I had a message and it was like somebody posting a cute photo of their dog. (laughs) And really as an animator, there are pretty rare times where somebody requires an instant response. Like most of the messages we get are something where it'd be totally cool if you replied an hour, two hours later, especially right now when the broad universal understanding is that everyone is flexing. So I don't think anyone expects instant response time. So that was that's been a game changer for me is just deleting Slack off my phone. <laughs> Even a small part of that, which I've done a few times actually actually no, sorry, what I'm currently doing is again I was getting really stressed out with like all the notifications about politics and news and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. just even if you didn't, even if you're not there yet, where you want to get rid of your apps, if you just turn off notifications, notifications. for those apps, yeah. mm-hmm. that's a big thing because then you have to consciously choose, like my thumb likes to do, go into the app. <laughs> but at least you're choosing to go into the app to look for that information. Mm-hmm. But rather than being alone, enjoying the hummingbirds and the plants and the dragonflies, <laughs> and then your phone tells you it's time to look at it, it's like. Yeah, right. it's your choice rather than your phone's choice to tell you it's, it's time to look huge. at it, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, and with that, we're coming to somewhat near the end, so we're getting to a very fun part of the episode. That is our inside the anime. <laughs> not to suggest that the rest of the episode is not fun. <laughs> wow, Ben. <laughs> so we're getting to. Yeah, I saw Garrett do a little laugh as I was saying that. But uh, this is the inside the animator studio section. So I will kick things off with first question, and we'll we'll let this be natural, even though it's lightning round. <laughs> natural lightning. So whoever wants to go first between David or Rebecca, feel free. What is your favorite drink? You I think, I think we both have a, the same one, but continue. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm so a excited. Wh- a whiskey pickle. What whiskey pickle. Tell us about this. <laughs> Sounds like a euphemism. What is it called? It, it- uh, I think in Canada it's called a pickleback. It's a pickleback. So in Canada yeah. it's called a pickleback. Um, wow. It's really it was originally like a shot drink, right? So it's whiskey oh, okay. and pickle, and you you had it like a shot. 
Yeah, so you do the whiskey uh, and then you shoot you, the pickle juice to get rid of the whiskey. But, um, you know, we got to drink when we drink. So we want <laughs> yeah. a nice full drink. So we just put whiskey and then like half A little splash pickle. of pickle juice. Well, no, it's like half pickle juice. Half well, juice. no, I learned <laughs> that, by the way. I thought I thought it was. I really did think it was half half pickle. And I realized, well, where, there's no whiskey in there. And it's like, this is way too pickly. So I think it's actually a splash Likes of pickle. Whiskey okay. pickle with more whiskey. And ice. And, that's and a dill pickle just oh. so you have something wow, to crunch so. on later. Right. Wow. I love But you pickles, sip on that So I'll have drink. to try that. It's, okay. It's, it's a strong one. <laughs> but you sip on it and it'll it'll get you nice. It'll get you where you need to be. <laughs> and you don't need wow. to like, drink like 10 drinks. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I want to try that. Next episode. Yeah. I just want to go bartender. Whiskey pickle. Whiskey, whiskey pickle. <laughs> we don't even know what we call it, but yeah. It's a whiskey pickle. A whiskey pickle, apparently. <laughs> that's I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Use that for another episode. What's that? I don't know what it would be. We need to figure out a pun so we can uh, use yeah. it. Yeah. Next time <laughs> we're recording and we'll, yeah, give you guys just, a yeah. You just have out. to think of an episode where you're like, how or what? What happens when you get into a pickle? Like what? Yeah. What happens? You know, whatever the episode is, how do you get out Production of bad situations? Pickles. How do you get yourself out of out of a pickle? That's true. I like that. That that sounds like an extra. Like that's you're really in it there. Like yeah. we got ourselves a real whiskey pickle here. My brain went to like HR pickle. <laughs> HR pickle. Oh, I think what's an HR well. pickle? What, what did you say about me? Trouble with HR. <laughs> Drama. Yeah, drama. It got real. It's We're going for that explicit E for by this uh, episode in in Apple Podcasts. We haven't achieved it yet. None of us have been in an HR pickle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was that was possibly the most satisfying. What's your favorite drink? Answer we've ever had. Nice. Not to put pressure on the next one, but can you name a particular movie, shot, character, or artist that inspires you most? We know that's pretty broad, so if you have a couple answers, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything that has ever inspired you, basically, (laughs) we're asking? (laughs) I'm going to say something that... It's newer. No, actually, no. Actually, this isn't true. I love movies that feel... I like live-action movies that feel like animated movies in the way that Mm. Edgar Wright movies feel like he feels like he goes through the process of animation to get his live action movies. It feels like every shot is planned and cut before they shoot it. Um, Mm. So I love like Scott Pilgrim. I love baby driver. I love hot fuzz. Um, But then another movie that came out of the blue and I didn't see it for months. And when I saw this, I'm like, how did I miss this? And I know a lot of people judge this movie Greatest Showman makes me happy. Oh, oh, Katie was just talking about that. Greatest the Showman is one. But I found out because I actually found out um, that a bunch of people I know worked on it. And apparently that entire movie was pre So it was planned exactly oh, like it was a live action wow. movie. that was planned like it was an animated movie. That makes sense. Oh, wow. And apparently it's oh, because wow. the director directed um, like short films and videos and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So he actually works cool. in the same way animators do. So. 
Gotcha. How's that? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I listen to that soundtrack a lot. Oh, good soundtrack. So we were karaokeing that whole soundtrack yeah, today. That was, uh, that was our crowd uh, this morning. That's awesome. Yeah, that should be awesome. my fun activity. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Every now and then when I'm hanging out, like doing something else, I'll just put Scott Pilgrim in the background. So good. Just because... It's always fun to look at. Like, it's no fun, matter but it's when great it is, filmmaking. Like, it's yeah. really yeah. good yeah. filmmaking. For sure. But it's yeah. dumb as hell, I and two. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's great. Um, Rebecca. Pressure. That was Pressure's a good on. answer. How do you follow that up? <laughs> You're not allowed to be inspired by those things. <laughs> yeah, right. no, I hate all those films. <laughs> yeah, Actually, excellent. every night I'm like, can we please watch Scott Program? No. Can we watch Hot Fuzz? No. There's so many other good films. <laughs> no, I would say like someone who's super inspiring is Alan Rickman. For me, mm. any movie with Alan Rickman is a movie I'll sit and watch. Like That's awesome. And, and just because he does a variety of stuff from Galaxy Quest to like obviously Harry Potter or Robin Hood, like he is a villainous character, but at the same time loving, not in Robin Hood, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's something you love actually. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's so many movies like you know him from. I was so sad when he passed away, but yeah. like anything he's done is so uberly expi- in, in inspiring for me. So That's, That's awesome. awesome. I love when you have those just go-to people that like – doesn't even matter what kind of movie it is. I just yeah. know I'm going to get some amount of joy from it because yeah. of, yeah, Alan Rickman. That's awesome. Those are great. Man, I'm loving these answers. We need to think of more questions. Yeah. <laughs> so this this is a tough one. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I I think just general advice. And it's both, I've heard it, but I've, also now being in the industry a while and just living life for a while, you get more and more comfortable in your skin and then you realize, I, I did hear this bit of advice and I don't know if it was like an Oprah thing or Brene Brown <laughs> or yeah. one of those, you know, speakers, but the bottom line is you do you, like do you because everyone else is already taken and There's so, it's such a simple statement, but there's so much depth to that statement because as soon as you do you, like you just put yourself in whatever it is you're doing. Don't, don't try to pretend to be someone else or don't look at someone else to emulate. You can be inspired by people, but as soon as you bring the authenticity of yourself to whatever it is you're doing, whether that's applicable to animation or baking or singing or any anything in life being yourself will attract what you need right and and just elevate you to a level that nothing else will and you'll be at peace it's this weird like just circular thing that happens and i've found it personally in my own life journey that whenever i've been just me that it's been the experiences. I, I just magic happens. Magic happens. That's the only way I can explain it. And whenever I'm not authentically me, it falls short of that. Mm-hmm. Something is always missing. And you see it That's in a- other people too. Like I've witnessed other people just be them, and you're like, wow, like things open up, like a light shines. Mm-hmm. 
And it is because of that. Like, you, you can't be them. You can't be anybody else. You got to be you. And doing that is going to simplify things in a way in your life and, and make you achieve things that you could never have even imagined. That's awesome. So. That, that is beautiful. Yeah, it was really great. It was really beautifully said. That's a quote yeah. on our Instagram <laughs> immediately. <laughs> That's right. It has to go on there. Nice. That's right. No pressure, Dave. Yeah, no. I'm like, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like trying to think of like, is there a quote from a song I know? Is there oh, a song? I like whiskey pickles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Animate good. <laughs> um, oh. No, honestly, I think, I mean, I think what she just said kind of covers what most this is my cop out answer. You know, um, <laughs> no, um no, I think a lot of like too. So yeah, I we we talk about this stuff a lot and actually one thing that you say a lot which I I forget who said it, um but I know one thing that you well, you said it <laughs> based on something that you said <laughs> you've heard. I'm just but, something I heard when I was younger, just you be you. There's this yeah, powerful woman said, said yeah, it. I don't I forget. That. That. <laughs> um no, I I I think I think along the same line um i did hear something and i know i heard it from you from someone else uh that said and please forgive me if i misquote but don't do what you love to get rich don't do what you love to become famous do what you love because you love it and then potentially the riches and fame will come from that and I think I quoted that very wrong. I think there's a more eloquent way of actually <laughs> saying that. But because I, the whole point is you're not supposed to worry about the riches, riches and fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do believe that because I, I mean, even from my own experience, anytime, again, it falls into the you do you thing. Do what fuels you. Do what you're passionate about. And then people will see that you love doing that and they'll, that'll get them excited because they'll see the authenticity in that rather than we've all seen movies that you can pinpoint that is there to make money. That feels fake because it looks like it's made by a bunch of people trying to agree on this is what people will like. That, mo- that you know, you know, you think about <laughs> I was just going to quote like, you know, my impression of a board Watching an uh, watching a kids animated movie, you know what? I think that needs more skateboards. Kids love skateboards, <laughs> and uh, right. like that that kind of thing, which is my impression of every '90s kids movie ever. Um, <laughs> That's great. But yeah, the reason I say that is because as I was doing my YouTube channel, um, a lot of my or my first videos went viral because I was making them. For myself, and I wasn't hoping for anything. I just posted online, like, okay, well, I made this thing, uh, posted online. Someone else saw it, and they took it and posted it on Cartoon Brew and blah, blah, blah. And it went, it went viral. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's, that's fun. And then I made this other one because I thought it was funny. It made me laugh. So I made it. Oh, that's fun. And then again, someone else posted, and someone else made it big, but it wasn't me trying to make it big. And then all of a sudden things were getting going viral. I'm like, oh, now I have an audience. Now I got to think about, okay, what do people want? What do people like? And mm-hmm. as soon as I started feeling like that, my viewership, my um, the, the, the excitement over my work died down mm. because it wasn't me. And mm-hmm. as soon as I made something that made 
me laugh. I actually learned this from Kevin Smith. I, I don't know if you, I'm assuming you guys know who Kevin Smith is, the director. Mm-hmm. Jay and Silent Bob. He's, mm-hmm. he, he makes movies for him. Some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. Uh, but he always said, <laughs> if I can put an inside joke in there for me and like one of my friends that just makes us die laughing, I'm putting that in there. I don't care about the audience. Now, at the same time, he's very successful and he can afford to do that. But, <laughs> but at the same time, that's kind of how, what I've learned is, Make something that I feel truly passionate about, something that if I'm collaborating with other people, we're excited to make. We don't want to make it to make money or to be successful at doing it. Uh, Amazing. That's such... Take that, Rebecca! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Made that all up on the spot. (laughs) I've been been rehearsing that for hours. No, no, (laughs) honestly, that's, but, 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 honestly, even with that, you can see, you can see how there's a theme going through the two of those things. It's, it's, do you, it's be passionate about what you love and don't do it for, for an outcome. Do it because you love doing it. So this one almost feels uh, redundant or yeah. or silly to go to after those, <laughs> but uh, just for the heck, just because we wrote it down, I'll ask it. Because if I don't ask something that Garrett's written down, he gets really mad at me and yells at me. Oh That's fired. <laughs> Typical yeah. screenwriter. That's right. JK. Garrett's a nice guy. Um, and I don't know who wrote this down. (laughs) Um, so is there anything you wish you knew as a student or young professional that you now know? (laughs) Want to steal my answer again? (laughs) (laughs) So salty. Um, (laughs) That's right. I'm going to start spitting soon. Um, I would say, honestly, I think as... As I get older in the industry, I think it really your 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 view of your work shifts from trying to get something done again to get ahead. Like you're always worrying about your next shot. Will this be good for my reel? Will this be you know? Will this get me seen as a good animator? Versus you know, like when do I get the A shot versus these B shots that I'm getting? Um. And also, why isn't my idea being praised? Why am I like, I feel like I'm working on someone else's idea. As soon as you kind of accept that the movie making business is collaborative and you're all trying to help each other make the best movie. Um, and you're trying to, you're trying to be the hands of the director. They don't have time to make the entire movie themselves. And so once you finally let, and, I use the word ego in not a way where you think, oh, you have an ego. It's only your idea or that's it. Ego as in worrying about yourself or worrying where you, where you stand. Mm -hmm. I feel like once you realize you're helping the director get to where they're trying to be, that's our role as animators. And if what you're doing and what, and what your acting choices and what your performance choices are, um, you're trying to help them realize the version of the film that they see in their head, but they don't have time to make. So present your idea and hopefully, you know, hopefully it's on par with what they're picturing for the movie. If it's not, 
be humble and take their notes and try and help them find what they're looking for. Hmm. So I, I wish I, and the reason I say that is because I think it, I mean, we all know that I think it takes time to learn that it, we all want, we're so proud and passionate about what we're doing that we want our voice to be heard. Um, one thing about studios that I love, and we're very lucky to be at a studio that allows us to show the director, our idea first. And that's a blessing. Like I, I really do love that we get to do that because then we get to show our honest selves. The directors can then accept that or change it to what they need. But then we also at least know we got to, we tried to say what we wanted to say with it. And if it's not that great, then we'll, we'll help you realize, or then we'll, we'll tweak our idea to match your idea. Um, but that takes some time to learn. I think, um, everyone in the industry kind of goes through that and allow, you have to allow yourself to let go of your idea being the only idea. Mm, That is true. It's a long winded version to get back to what I was trying to say. Oh, that was that was awesome. fantastic one yeah. for sure. I think the one thing I would say, like if I were starting out again, is focus on the moment you're in, not the moment you wish mm. you you want to be at. Right? There's always a goal in life. Like you always want, like you have your dream or your idea of where you want to get to, and that's important. But if you constantly focus on that moment, then you won't be you won't be creating it because the only creation of that moment in the future happens at this very moment that you're doing it. So if you're missing being here, focusing on the animation in front of you or the idea in front of you or whatever it is you're doing to get to that place, you'll never get to that place, right? Because you're, if you're busy looking over there, then you're not creating it. Right. And as soon as you focus on that moment, like what you were saying, you're, you're able to then put your most authentic idea out there that then will engage a director, but then let that go. Again, it's, it's the being in the moment to produce your best thing and your best thing will lead you to the next, I mean, frozen, but (laughs) to the next (laughs) best thing. You know what I mean? Like, it truly yeah. is like the seed you plant today is the tree you'll have tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but if you're busy thinking about the tree and the fruit you're going to get, you forgot to plant the seed, you know? Yeah. And there have been moments in my career where I literally, it, the, the future faded. Like I, one, I'll, I'll give you like one story quickly. Um, I was at LucasArts for seven years and I really wanted to be in features and I left LucasArts in hopes, right, and started at Animation Mentor that very first class, not knowing what the experience was going to be, but knowing that I really needed and wanted to be at Disney or Pixar or one of these larger studios animating. And that's what I was focused on. Now, my first semester at at AM, I did the principles of animation, right, ball balance and squash and stretch and all that good stuff, thinking in my mind, I'm way too good for this. I've been animating for mm-hmm. seven years or five years at that time at LucasArts. Why am I doing this remedial stuff? So I went through the semester and then at the end of the semester, I literally like was 
genuinely, I started sort of started falling in love with animation, like making these fun little things with just a ball, a ball with two legs. And then I started my, and my first semester was with Victor Navone. Second semester was with, um, uh, Ryan, Jason Ryan. And in my second semester was like body mechanics. And it literally, I remember the first semester thinking, all I want to do is get a job. I don't, I don't want to get into features, want to get into features. But by the end of the first semester, I, I kind of disconnected with that idea. Like I no longer cared about being at a feature studio and I really was loving animating that that moment I was having and then I got into my second semester and I was loving that I I remember literally feeling like I don't care like I really don't like that that moment I'm I'm genuinely loving the experience I'm having right now I'm in love with animating this moment and I kid you not, like it was like night and day within a week of having that experience mentally and emotionally. That's when Jason Ryan called me from Disney saying, Hey, there's a position for an assistant animator. Opening up. Are you interested? Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. and, and at that moment I was saying in my mind, I'm not even going to take a feature position because I want to finish this. And, and, wow. and, of course, I took the position, <laughs> because those don't come every so I day. F you, Jason Ryan, you can take that yeah. job back. No, he. Yeah, I'm an animator. <laughs> I don't need Disney. Um, but literally, I do remember feeling like I realized that it that what changed in me was it no longer was about a future I wish I had, but it it was the enjoyment of the moment I was having. And that is what literally produced the future I wanted. Mm-hmm. But you got to give that up. Awesome. I just love that story, Rebecca, too, because I feel like I could see somebody putting a different spin on that, where it was like, you know, I was at this job for seven years, so I wasn't crazy about it. So I, I paused and I, you know, was refocusing on fundamentals and that was time lost. And like, it seems like it was the exact opposite for you that like, not only like, was a great time there, but probably made all the times after that better then. Because like when you focus on the fact that you're in love with your craft like that, all of a sudden a bad project isn't as bad because you're still doing the craft that you love. And yeah. gosh, I, I love that story. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that was great. Those are both great ones for sure. Dip jar. So. Uh, I just said ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> David and Rebecca, you've given us so much gold this episode, but we have to ask for one more nugget of gold. Uh, wow, to give really a, good. We typically ask people on the podcast to give a little animation tip. It can be super practical, like something, you know, a tip for animators, or it could be kind of more philosophical, whatever you have in mind, just... Uh, if there's anything we haven't covered. Everything we haven't covered, yeah. <laughs> David's already laughing. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I'm a little afraid. No, it's, yeah, I don't think we've ever had a funny one. If that's it's not funny at all. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, excellent. It's more, I, again, we, we kind of went <laughs> philosophical. So now we're like, if we're going to bring it back down to kind of like a quick kind of thing you can think of while you're animating. Uh-huh. You know how... 
I feel like every animator um, has their things that they look for when they're, you know, when they see other people's animation or in when they're watching other movies or anything, you're like, something jumps out and bothers them. What is your thing, right? Mm. We work with some animators that they really focus on hands. They look at other people who look at like their, their arcs or eye shapes or whatever, right? I think... Mm-hmm. Mine is lip sync. I always notice lip sync. And I feel like um, I, I, I would say one thing that jumps out at me is when people don't hit their ooh shapes. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people oh. like to stay in a more neutral mouth shape. And when there's a strong ooh sound, people don't hit that. Um, and I wish more people did. Um, I think it's just kind of hitting <laughs> that ooh shape and finding a creative way to get in and out of it. Uh, a lot of rigs in CG, especially, um, you know, you kind of have to go in and, uh, really, really take the detail in and kind of go in those in between frames to make sure the shapes aren't just, you know, uh, doing like a even blend into that ooh shape yeah. where, the you know corners are pinching and all that kind of stuff. Just mm-hmm. I feel if you hit those ooh shapes, um, it really makes your your um, your character's dialogue pop, and it feels it feels great. I have to say, this seems very Canadian of you. Oh, interesting. <laughs> to do the oh. <laughs> oh. Your, your owl say, shapes. Like... I'm sorry. I meant your owl shapes. <laughs> oh, don't, you, don't Canadians I, say a boot? <laughs> I will dispel that rumor. Sorry, uh, do. No, we say, I, I will say, even people with strong Canadian accents, it's an O sound, not an O sound. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But even with like super strong Canadian, and, and I've got some cousins cousins and aunts and uncles that have very strong Canadian accents and it's uh-huh. an O sound not an O sound that's more of a okay. Canadian um, or sorry sorry an American uh, version Stereotype. of what we said yes gotcha so. oh I'm completely misinformed <laughs> David's been so kind enough to provide um, photo reference on our show notes about what the O shape should look like so look out for that it's a photo of him doing it um, thank you so much, David, for providing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It depends on the sound and depend. Yeah, there, it has to be the the level for what your character is doing. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a great yeah. little. Yeah, I like it. I think I think enough animators um, are hesitant to. You know, I think a lot of animators are hesitant to pop in and out of extreme shapes. Mm-hmm. So I think some people avoid it. Um, to avoid that popping. So it's trying to find that way to almost yeah. get into it um, earlier within other sounds to prepare for that ooh shit. That's, that's great. That's a great. Super I mean, I, yeah. I'll take that. Oh, now you like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just want to hear from the Canadian now, do you? <laughs> that's what his Who's this guy telling us about lip sync? <laughs> no, that, that's a yeah, great that's one. A great that's nugget. something I, I feel like I struggle with a lot. Yeah, I have yeah. a tendency to be on the very conservative side. Of the ooze? With lip sync and of the ooze. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's that's great. One practical bit of advice I I, I kind of learned this at Pixar, which is late in my career. Um, one thing that was like 
something that they said that was like, oh, wow, okay. A lot of animation, animators tend to hit, like as soon as a word is happening, they'll hit the action on the word. And mm. in a performance, you really, there's a thought process behind whatever it is you're, you're about to say. You don't just say it. And when you say it, you kind of lose that thought process if you just say it like on the note, on the dialogue. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if it's just because our shots are cut so short that you tend to feel like you got to hit it at every moment. Yeah. But sometimes mm-hmm. you need to let a character breathe before they say something, whether it's like a, an eye turn or a head turn before they start a line of dialogue, like to have at least even a half a beat mm-hmm. of a thought before the line comes out, not the thought when the line comes out. And, I mean, I could provide you with a a really cool clip that one of the mentors at Pixar showed me where he literally edited a Harrison Ford line where, like an animator would, they would hit the line exactly at the moment. And he edited it in a way, like, where he took that beat of the, the thought behind it first. And you were like, oh, yeah, that just lost the hit, it lost the moment where you believed what he was saying because mm-hmm. he did something just right before he was actually going to say it that, that gave the intent behind the line that was coming. Maybe that's deeper than what we want to talk about. But that was no. like, as soon no. as he yeah, said that, I was great. like, "Amazing! oh, shit, I've been animating wrong this whole time. <laughs> awesome. I, I feel about that, actually. There's, there's something uh, that my – it's funny. In college, someone – I think my teacher taught me that um, when the when you I think back when editors like back a long time when when an editor watched the audience watching their their movie they could tell when a new piece of information came to the character because every or a new inf- piece of information happened in the movie because everyone in the audience blinked at the same time and humans wow. tend to blink when they're about to process when they're done with information and they they're about to process new information. And so I think that's exactly what you're saying. You Mm -hmm. kind of, again, whether you do it in the form of a blink or not, you process the information and then react to it. Right. Mm. Like unless it's a shock, unless it's like something that comes outside of you. Like if someone hit me, I would react after the hit, not before. (laughs) Right. But in a performance and usually we tend to animate, you know, actors voices. Just think of that. Even if you think about it, just think about what the line is and what they were actually thinking before they let that line out. Like the subtext. Yeah. yeah. And totally. and how they got there. Because even, even having this conversation, you can observe us as you ask a question. <laughs> we kind of like, we're thinking about what it is we're about to say. And even if you know what you're about to say, there's a thought. There's a fraction of a thought right before you There's actually say There's a reaction that you're you're like, now I know what I'm going to say, right. and then you say it. And then it's coming out. <laughs> yeah. So that that changed my animation. Like when I started so cool. thinking of it that way and then applying it. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Those awesome. are great. Gosh, that was like 
three or four little tips snuck in there. <laughs> Take that, dude. <laughs> that was great. I can come up with another one. <laughs> this is what we do. We motivate each other. Exactly. Yeah. Don't touch Perfect. me. <laughs> awesome stuff. All right, and with that, we're coming to the end of our episode. But before we do that, we wanted to give our good friends David and Rebecca a chance to plug anything they might want to plug. So <laughs> the floor is yours. Um, you can follow me at Twitter. <laughs> Reb Woo-hoo. Link. Uh, R-E-B-L-Y-N-K. Uh, yes. Nice. That's it. Or Rebville.com. And oh, if, I like that, Rebville. Yes. That's where I live. <laughs> That's where I live. Ooh, he's jailed. Yeah. Though. <laughs> you want to visit him? Yeah. 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 Go to Rebville. Go to Rebville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if you like dumb, hilarious cartoon comedy parodies, <laughs> go to youtube.com slash stodo, S T O D oe uh you can also follow me on twitter at stodoe and instagram at stodo studios thank you david and rebecca and also we'll go ahead and plug ourselves there as well (laughs) shamelessly Katie's cracking up because I'm terrible at this. But don't forget to follow us on all of the wonderful social media networks. We have a Twitter. We have an Instagram. We have a YouTube. We're on anywhere you get podcasts, or at least most of the places you get podcasts. Um, Probably some stuff I haven't thought of. You can also email us at animationhappyhour at gmail.com. And we have a cool website with some fun show notes and other tidbits and cool stuff here and there. So check it out. Thanks for listening to this episode, everyone. If you like our content and you like our podcasts, we encourage you to donate to our tip jar, which is a new feature that we just added to our website. Um, You can find it directly on our website. There's paid. It's also always included in our show notes as well as there's a link on our Instagram link tree. Um, It does help us out. It does cost money to... Uh, purchase this equipment and host the podcast online and um, host our website. So we do appreciate anything that you're willing to give. Huge shout out to uh, Dr. David Lowe, who was the <laughs> first donor, <laughs> otherwise yeah, known as Dr. Lowe. <laughs> uh, the Bank of Dad. So thank you <laughs> to my pops for the first donation <laughs> and to anyone Ooh. else who decides to donate. So as we're coming to the ending, we just wanted to say that speaking of work-life balance, we here at the Animation Happy Hour are actually going to uh, take a little sabbatical here at the end of the year. And we'll be back in early 2021 with new content and episodes, but we've been doing a lot of working recently and not a ton of life. (laughs) So we're going to try to... Uh, even out that balance a little bit, but uh, we are yeah, super excited we're in the for ninth week of crunch right now. Yes. On Raya, so Good gracious. we're feeling it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, yeah, want to put our all in the podcast, and we feel like to best do that, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back early 2021, like we said. See you then. That about wraps up the episode. This has been Garrett, Katie, Ben, David, Rebecca. Thanks for listening, and. Happy Holidays! Well, it is work-life balance! <laughs>